Knock, knock. Who's there? It's a cut above. Who's in there? See if the Shyamalanian twist is making our list. Knock at the cabin from 2023. A knock at the door. Now, who could this be? Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host Jacqueline and tonight we'll be discussing Knock at the Cabin from 2023. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First up, it's Hydraberg. What's going on, Hydraberg? Oh, hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Oh. You guys are looking nice, nice and healthy. Like what you got oh, <laughs> 100 episode sheen to your skin. You look really radiant. <laughs> Despite the fact that John and I are both getting sick. Yeah. Oh, you look amazing. But yes, I am glowing Thanks. from our uh, lovely and productive week last week. Are you using uh, that Idris Elba skin uh, skin wash technique? Or yeah, Yes. Yeah. In fact, I had Idris himself apply all my lotions oh and my potions. And <laughs> so I look like too. I'm... Yeah, exactly. There's no other way to do it. That's why I look all glowy. <laughs> okay. um, no, it was a special week last week. It was yeah, a good was... one. And Hydroberg, awesome you did a lot week. of work that uh to create some of that extra content for us so many many thanks and applause to you Hydra i appreciate Berg. it it was it's a <laughs> it's a labor of love yeah it's nice you know. to finish something and uh create something and then put it out there and i don't know hear our listeners um enjoy it the celebration yeah. episode seems to be going over well everybody says yeah. there's a part there um i believe it and then the clip reel i just dropped today so um that you can listen to, you can pause it whenever you want. But if you listen to the whole thing, it's it's that was a labor of love as well. There's just a lot mm-hmm. of moments I feel like, yeah, some of them taken well, out of context, but they're funny. That's okay. Well, I've I've been enjoying listening to both of them over the weekend. So yeah, good stuff. And you good can stuff. say you're not funny, but there's some funny moments in there. <laughs> well, thank you. I you guys, appreciate, especially. I, I, appreciate I mean, Jacqueline, you always say you're not funny, but you are. You're pretty funny. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. I just reflect you guys back. That's all I do. <laughs> And last up, last but not least, we got John. What's going on, John? Oh, what's going on, Jacqueline? What's going on, Hydraberg? Uh, yeah, man, you uh, put in a lot of work. Uh, I think our last week's episode was very emotional for me, but like what you dropped today was was fantastic. And Jacqueline, give yourself credit. You are fucking hilarious, okay? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think I'm just a foil to you guys. No, bullshit. I mean, maybe you, we're rubbing uh, off on you awesome. or whatever, but regardless... That I would take. I, I I need to learn though. Maybe you can mentor me, Hydraberg. I need to learn how to like have a good, healthy rant. You you got to get mad first. That's the first thing. That's number one, right? You got to get. That's true. It she never gets mad. Yeah. What, I like, was pretty mad about like the void, and I was pretty. <laughs> I love you're you do like not a rant on the void, but you do this thing where you like you're like it's not a fucking void, like. <laughs> You go right into it, like you huff about it for a moment in that in the clip, and you're just like, no, no, it's not. It's 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 everything but a, a void. It's just not a void. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> by, but by definition of the like, it's not a void. <laughs> and I'm just like, John, I need you. This is, this is the pumpkin head <laughs> argument all over again. So I guess that's void was I, I wasn't there. That's the void. Yeah, well, like, that, John, that, I don't know that was the void. That is right, John. You were your absence was the void, and that's the only void in that episode. Yeah, um, that. I was pretty mad about Texas Chainsaw Massacre twenty two. I think, yeah. but I just I, I I have trouble working up a good rant like you do. So I think maybe the I need to come under. Like, were not in it. They weren't. In it. I so don't know. I think I need York, to get under your tutelage. I'm Italian. <laughs> 
But I feel like it just, I don't know. I'm an, you're I'm Italian an, and you're a New Yorker. So yeah, exactly. That's, so I'm know. in an environment that just sort of like helps you out with that sort of thing. I'm walking here. Brings out the, yeah, I'm walking here. Forget about it. Forget I think I have it. too much of a cheerful like disposition to really get a good rant going. So. Jacqueline, I think because we're in nice areas, it's like we're not that pissed off, you know? Yeah, like how can you get mad when you live in, you know, a lovely, beautiful area where it's like sunny and there's palm trees? <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> I hate you guys. When I was in Wisconsin, I was pissed off. You're mad, mad all the time. <laughs> and eating a lot of cheese curds, so I was pissed off all the time. Farting. Well, the, see, the cheese curds would, would placate me. <laughs> I'd be like, mm, Trust me, they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I became lactose intolerant out there. No, just oh, see, that's not good. Oh, I couldn't live without cheese. No, no, no. I need a good cheeseburger, some cheese curds, yeah, I need, some Culver's. I, I like a good cheeseburger. I just can't eat cheese. The, the one thing I'm pissed off about, and I'm not lactose intolerant. I'm lactose sensitive, I guess. Okay. I can't eat ice cream anymore. It oh, sucks because it's like I'll wake up in the middle of the night. So try some different mm. creams. There's other creams that are similar that kind of hit that spot. John, can I tell gelato. you? I think that's dairy still. Yeah, it's still gelato, um, right? There's the ben, and Jerry's, ice cream. ben and Jerry's non-dairy ice cream is actually amazing. Yeah, I think you've is mentioned it? I was, that before. I was trying to be vegan for a while. It obviously didn't work out, but um, but for a while, <laughs> but while I was in that phase, I was eating Ben and Jerry's non-dairy ice cream, and it was so fucking good. Trust me. Nice. My girlfriend's a vegetarian, it. which pretty much makes me a vegetarian. So. <laughs> yeah. That is a tasty burger. <laughs> Big Kahuna burger. All right, so folks, we got uh, episode one hundred one. We've surpassed the one hundredth episode, huh? Wow, we did. It's That's all wild, downhill from now. John. It's downhill, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, <laughs> 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 attitude. Oh God. No, it's we're continuing uphill. Yeah, uphill, we're, yeah. we're still going straight up. We're still going straight up, y'all. We haven't hit that glass ceiling yet. We're still going up. No. Nope. Yeah, we're we're in the we're in the Wonkavator. We're going up. Yeah. Sideways, All right. Backways. Oh, you know, you know the the great glass elevator, don't you? I do. I do. Oh, it's not often I run into people who know about that. That makes me happy. Let's talk about that on another episode. Let's do a whole episode about Charlie and the Great Glass. You'll get elevator. nothing, and you'll like it. <laughs> I said good day, sir. <laughs> you get nothing. <laughs> anyway. Um, John, yes, you happen to have any horror news for us today. I I, I do. Yeah. Starting off uh, episode 101, Terrifier t- or 3 is happening. Yeah, they're in pre-production. Um, get out your trash bags there, Heidelberg. Um, <laughs> it's going to be on a bigger budget and it's expected to be more extreme. I saw that. Awesome. More extreme. More extreme. Let's do it. I cannot wait. Do we know when it's slated to be released, or is it too early for that? Still in pre-production. Uh, the guy that plays uh, Art the Clown and our last uh, protagonist are both going to be in the movie. Yes. So Great. we know that for sure. Good. Laura um, Le- Laura Laverne or something like that. What's her name? That's Laura it. Laura Lavera. I believe yes. it's Hottie McHottie, I believe. Yes. Anyone? Yes. She, she's hot, hot for sure. Um, tomorrow, let's all celebrate. It's Robert England Day. I thought you were going to say oh, Robert Oh, the man Zombie. deserves his own day. <laughs> he definitely I'm does. But the, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I've seen Robert England in a lot of movies, but what is he best known for? Hmm, Freddy Krueger? <laughs> Obviously, yeah. He had I mean, a nice they had like cameo 25 in, um, movies of those. For, for I know. He had a nice little cameo that I appreciated in um, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. 
Mm. Oh my god, I do remember. Yeah, there were there were several good little cameos in that. Actually, he was one of them. Yeah, yeah. he's a gem, but he deserves it. I mean, a, a guy that's legendary like that. So tomorrow is Robert England Day. So wear your uh, red and green sweaters. Red and green sweaters. And I, I have, I actually have a, a Freddie sweater, and I have a brown fedora. Guys, hold on, I got a call into work. Give me one second. <laughs> Yeah, hello, boss. Oh, uh, uh, this is a uh, this Heidelberg. I'm not gonna be able to come in. Uh, <laughs> come on, it's National Robert England Day. <laughs> the man's you a legend. You can't shirk your responsibility. I got to Cream Warriors. I won't be in today. <laughs> All right. Uh, last bit of news I have is the Boogeyman actually did pretty well at the box office. Twenty million dollars. However, it was a thirty-five million dollar budget, and our uh, friend Heidelberg. Uh, saw the movie uh, before I we get, throw it to you, Heidsberg. Uh, it was originally supposed to go on to Hulu, but I guess test screening was really good, so they put it into theaters. What'd you think of it, bud? All right, so yeah, I could see that. Like, I, it, it was a decent theater experience. Um, there's some jump scares. There's some really interesting stuff they do with some lighting. Um, the creature is majority. Uh, it's mostly just CGI, unfortunately. Um, it, there's some elements of it that look really cool, but. Overall, I feel like the, to me, the film just felt a little generic and very entry level. So if like you wanted to take someone younger to it, um, I could see it being more of an entry level teenage horror than mm. what us adults mm-hmm. that are like broken in really, you know, want from one of these things. There are elements of it that are cool. Um, the acting's good. And uh, it's not it's not like trash. I wouldn't say it's trash. It's just it's just not I don't know. It's not that great. It's not not a middling. not a big thrill for a seasoned horror fan. Yeah, it's very middling. Yeah, Nicole Would you said call she it was a flaccid fuck. Possibly, yes. Speak on what Nicole's going to do about that, though. <clears throat> so that movie was based on a Stephen King short story, and Nicole, yeah. uh, I haven't checked to see if she's actually done it because I haven't checked the Slack um, since early today. But she said she was going to post a link, or yeah, she was going to post a link to her episode where she's reading Stephen King's short story. She's not even doing an episode. She's just releasing that audio on Slack only. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she's just re- yeah. releasing wow. it on the Slack. So if you're not on the Slack, you're missing out. It's it's an exclusive. Because it has nothing to do with uh, Stephen King suing her if she released it on her podcast. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Definitely not at all. So yeah, she'll be reading the whole story. Uh, so if you're on the Slack, go check that out if you I haven't seen it already. I wish Nicole but... could like read a story to me every night before bed. I know. We just just call her. That came out weird. Sorry, Nicole. Yeah, that did sound weird. (laughs) Just read me a story, Nicole, please. (laughs) Hydroberg is totally not putting on his like footy pajamas and thinking of you whenever he gets sucking his thumb. (laughs) (laughs) That that got real weird. Anyway, so yeah, so my my point is, um, I would like to listen to that, especially hearing Nicole read it and hear the original King story because I can see how I'm. a movie like that might turn out kind of generic, but Stephen King's writing is just so fucking good that it's hard for me to believe that that would be anything, you know, kind of uh, mediocre. I really like his. I mean, some of his best oh. movies are made from his shortest stories. I agree. Like Stand by Me, Shawshank. I have to say, just since we're on the topic, sorry to like uh, hijack the conversation, but I am in the middle of reading Pet Cemetery right now, y'all. It is so fucking good. I almost I think it's can't Nicole's favorite myself. book. It might be. Um, I had started a couple months ago and then I got sidetracked with some stuff I had to do for work and some studying, but um, I picked it back up again and it is just amazing. I'm right about halfway through and I definitely want to do a mini episode on it when I'm done because it is so, so it's like maybe my, 
I know I'm not done with it yet, but it might become my favorite Stephen King novel. And that's saying a lot. I remember reading it in high school and being mm-hmm. frightened. Like, and I was 15, 16 years old when I read it. And I was just like, yeah. this is terrifying. I bet it's good. I'll be, I'll get, I'm going to, this is a hot take, but I don't think the, I don't think the original movie is like as good as people make it out to be. Um, but I think it, it was good at the time, but I can see the story from what I hear. Like the actual book is like so much more better. It's so much better on different levels from what I understand. There's just different parts of the lore that they just don't really speak on in the, uh, in the movie. They nod mm-hmm. towards it a little bit. And then I didn't like the remake either of I mean, my, my, oh, my right. thing about Pet Cemetery is, is like, it's a monumental movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the acting's a little like, eh, in it. Yeah. So I, I definitely plan to rewatch the original movie, maybe both movies. Um, as soon as I finish it. the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be fun. You could do a King Month. <laughs> um, thing, yes. Pet Cemetery. Yes. The Langoliers. The Shining. The Shining. Well, we have, I have something else possibly. Oh, oh, what? okay. I shared that with you already. Oh, I got some hot takes on The Shining. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, anyway, so I just wanted to kind of update you guys on that because I just am so blown away that I like, I cannot wait to talk about it. Nice. Yeah. That's all I have for news. Sorry. That's it for news? Oh, okay. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, you guys ready to talk about Knock at the Cabin? I am. Okay. All right. So Knock at the Cabin from 2023, written and directed by... M. Night Shyamalan. Is this our first Shyamalan film? Shyamalama Ding Dong. I think so. I think so. So, yeah. John, this was your pick. Yeah. Why did you choose Knock at the Cabin? Well, again, uh, you, you know, Hydraberg challenged me to watch more movies in uh, 2023 as a uh, New Year's resolution. And I've actually heard mixed reviews about this movie, but I was very curious. So I decided that we should probably talk about it at some point. And I think now is the time. So that's why I picked it. All right, cool. Uh, You guys want to decide whether it sucks or fucks? Sorry, I don't know why I just stumbled on my words. Sucks or fucks? Just a little slower, just like, but a little bit more like sexy. No, anyway. John, I'm not going to do yeah, it like I'm ready. that. I'm ready to go. <laughs> that was obscene. That <laughs> was. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I also think I said it backwards. I don't know what just happened in my you brain. Did. I'm you sick. Let's blame fucks, it on right? that. I think uh, I usually right. say fucks or sucks. And I think this time sure. I said sucks or fucks. Oh, yeah. It's know. fucks or sucks. You're right. <laughs> sorry. Let's blame the it on that. whole episode scrapped. It's ruined. <laughs> All right. Good talking to you guys. Episode 101. <laughs> Yeah, oh man, we, we were so good at 100. What did we do? I what happened? I broke <laughs> it. It was a fluke all along. We sucked the whole time. I, we had this momentum, you know, like when you like you have a groove of something and then yeah, you like break your groove for like one second and it's all shot yeah. to hell after that. Yeah, I, I, I mess up fucks or sucks once <laughs> and now I'm just like That's useless. Hey, Hydroberg, mark get... this in the episode as where you put the, like, the, 200, scar- the car yeah. screeching going. <laughs> Yeah, and then or, or the record coming off. Yeah. Guys, just, record scratch. Just replace me with Nicole right now. It'll it'll be fine. Oh I just, no, I'm no, done. No, I'm not done for. <laughs> anything, I'm just trying to get Nicole to join. Yeah. He just wants That'll a, a okay. story. That's all he wants. <laughs> Tell me a story, if Nicole. Could, if we could get a uh, yeah, cut above story time. Hmm. I'm picturing you with one of those little night stocking caps like with a little, little puffball on the end. Get one of and those. Like the, I have one of those uh, pillows that goes around your neck, so if you fall asleep on the couch, like you're okay, mm-hmm. or in the car. One of the the and like a butt flap on your jammies, so you don't have yeah, to yeah. like. Yeah, I keep take it everything open. Off, take the I'm onesie off. Butt stuff. So for his fanny. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, anyway, he likes fanny stuff. My only. Anyway. Fanny. Anyway, 
Damn it. John. <laughs> Is this our first clip for our next clip reel for episode 200? Yeah. Anyway, John, yes, since yes. you picked this movie, you go first. Yes. Does it fuck or does it suck? God, this movie like gives you such great um, foreplay. Wow. <laughs> and it, it builds up and it builds up and you're into it. And then all of a sudden something happens, like your mom walks in and then it <laughs> sucks. And um, I would say overall this movie fucks, but it's um, <laughs> a little disappointing. That's a good does take. Pull out, does it pull out a little too early at the end? Yeah. No, I think it shoots its load a little too early. Okay. That's what it does. When your mom walks in, that's when that happens? Sure. And very Why specific not? here, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I'm um, sorry. Okay. I've had the experience before. Oh, wait. I said too much. I'm going to shut up. Uh, uh, Jacqueline, what do you think? Does I the said too suck? much. Um, I, think it, I, I think this is a pretty solid fuck, actually. I, I wasn't really expecting much from this. I thought this was kind of like the dweeb at the bar that I was like, eh, I don't know about this one. Um, but it, it actually was on like a horse? I, I don't know if I would say like a, a horse. In this movie, uh, he's kind of like, like a like a horseman, perhaps. He's mild mannered, but when you look at him, he's like a monster underneath everything. Um. Okay, <laughs> that's what you guys want to say. Uh. No, it's it's it it surprised me with its prowess. So yeah, Heidelberg, what about you? Uh yeah, I think this film is a stranger at the door who wants to fuck you into believing into God. Kind of wow. fuck. Uh, unfortunately, it's a it's it's a mediocre fuck though. It's a little okay. flaccid, I would say. Okay. Flaccid is uh, is better than frigid, correct? Yes, frigid is I, like I, middle I myself, of the road. Frigid is frigid really... is like neutral because it doesn't fuck or suck. It doesn't do anything. That's why mm-hmm. it's frigid. It okay. won't do anything. But flaccid is like flaccid to fucks, me as a, as a man makes sense because it's like, well, you're getting hard, but you you're not all the way there, so you're not yeah. quite fuck. You're right. not a suck either. It's like fucking a warm apple. Almost pie. worth being in, to in me, between. A flat. A flaccid fuck is like it fucks, but just barely. Yeah, like it's just barely above neutral. Like five, that's how five, I've always five. interpreted. It. Yeah, that's how I've always interpreted. Let's get our analogy down very specifically. <clears throat> yeah, hundred <laughs> episodes in, we should know this already. Yeah, no. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Knock at the Cabin from 2023 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, make sure you pause the podcast, go watch it, to come back to find out what we thought about it, and put your eye drops in. You guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I'm ready. Okay. You guys ready for Hydraberg's reach around plot summer? I am ready for Hydraberg's reach around plot summer. All right. Knock, knock. Who's there? Drive up to the cabin to get some fresh air. Four horsemen of plague, not part of the plan. Indebted to the cause or die where you stand. A sacrifice to God on behalf of all men. A loving couple in harm's way all over again. But now both daddies are looking after when. She shines a light on this couple most certainly completes them. Eric giving in to his belief of religion. Andrew not ready to give in to this prison. As four horsemen speak on their world-ending vision. And how the perfect couple must choose their own division. As the only decision. Prophets on plague now die for their vision. And give in to fate and ritualistic killings. Stay inside this sheltered building. Regard the fake news. And put on your boogie shoes. This family refuses to lose. But Andrew may lose his cool. Two lovers take one last huddle. Seems God has popped their perfect bubble. Outside these walls, the world, it crumbles. With children plagues, tsunami waves, an angry sky that pukes out plains. All four horsemen left mortal plain. The reckoning, it finally came. But Eric makes a choice in the end of the game. Don't look to God to place your blame. Andrew shoots Eric, then trembles in pain. 
Now father and daughter are back together again. Minus one dad who died with compassion. All lives will be changed by a knock at the cabin. Oh my god, that was so well good, Hydroberg. So good. Well done, so buddy. Good. You that always really have good. that nice dramatic like peak at the end. It's so good. Crescendo. A crescendo, not, if you will. Can I say something yeah. about this movie real quick though? Yeah. Is that it doesn't have the Shyamalan uh like like twist ending? I mean it does and it doesn't. Without I like mean, giving it, it away, I know we're going to talk about it, but it it it, it doesn't though. Yeah, it doesn't rely solely on that one thing to which is what makes it actually really good well so wait i don't know that i would disagree that there's a twist at all i think that there's like an unexpected event i'm I'm more like arguing with hydro i know but the one thing is is that that he's always been known for this like big twist Mm -hmm. ending i thought this was more of an emotional ending. i thought it was really good i i i not that it was my favorite which is like my downfall for this movie but it was like you know, it it was good. I it, but I think I think maybe I think more the my, end of the my... movie just kind of it pushed the horror element out of it, just more of a like a drama that kind of pushed that in there. And I thought it was good, but it was just like it just felt like two different movies from you know seventy five percent of the movie to the last twenty five percent, right? So Am I, I the only I... one that it feels that way? Well, at what point did that change for you? <sighs> Uh, maybe it was like less percentage, but I mean, it was like when uh, uh, Leonard, when Leonard kills himself, right? Mm-hmm. Because he has to self-sacrifice. Right. Um, and then it becomes just this family drama type thing. And I don't know. I, feel I, like it's, I, I just. It's, it's it a family drama really the emotional. entire time. That's, a, that's why that motion, that moment in the end still hits because they built up this family throughout the beginning. I feel like um, right. the film does a really good job of that. It, uh, building up Eric and Andrew and when as, um, you know, uh, protagonists. But also, I do think that this film is really good at um, it humanizes all the characters in a way. Absolutely. Uh, even even. Yeah. Like both sides of the argument and in, in the mm-hmm. predicament that's going on. Um, the horsemen that come or, you know, you don't know that they're horsemen right away. But unless you got it spoiled by some of the marketing, which was an issue with this film. And we spoke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or if that. you've read the I, or if you've read the book. So in the in the in the trailers, they've kind of shown that like these are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They left enough hints there for someone like me, at least, that's you know into film to figure out. Maybe the you know normal person that doesn't watch a lot of movies maybe doesn't realize it, but early on you could figure that out. And then Jacqueline knows from the book that that's the premise too. And I think it's an awesome premise. I think it's great, and I think they achieve it for the most part in this movie. But it takes away some of the oomph of it all, knowing that that's who they are to begin with. Like, yeah. that's the twist that this movie should have been trying to, like, get a little bit. That, Agreed. You know, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, so can I comment on that a little bit? Sure. Mm. Yeah. When I first read this book, I read the back of the book. And the back of the book is very limited in what it reveals to you. And I think that the choices that were made for that little description on the book were perfect and i think exactly what was on that book jacket is the the entirety of what should have been included in the trailer and left it at that so what the back of the book says is a little girl named Wen is playing you know outside in the front yard of the vacation home or whatever um when a strange man comes up and introduces himself and he apologizes for what he has to do but he says uh you know you and your 
parents are going to have to make some terrible choices today. And that's like kind of it. That's that's enough. That's and ominous. So yeah. You have this setup, but you have no idea who the man is, what the choices are, or what's going to unfold in that cabin or why. And so when I read the book, like th there was absolutely no mention of an apocalypse or what kind of characters these four invaders are, if you want to call them that. And yeah. so like, I was totally in the dark going into the book about what the truth behind the story really is, like what is actually going on here. And so that's why I was so mad. You probably, so maybe that's the closest I've come to going on a rant on the show, but I was really mad about the trailer for this movie. Cause I'm like, God damn it. You should have just left it at that opening scene yeah. and stopped. Like you shouldn't even let the audience know that this has anything to do with the apocalypse. Cause uh, I think that opening scene I think this has a really cool opening. This movie, like we mm -hmm. get the sketches, we get the uh, the opening credits, but like the creepy way of like it introduces like the the horseman's visions and how they've sketched them on like school notes and and like work work receipts or like napkins mm -hmm. or anything like anything. Yeah. Whenever you had the vision, whatever paper was in front of you, basically. Mm -hmm. What you didn't pick up on that? I mean, I and I gotta say is like my two favorite performances was the character of Wen and the character of Leonard. Yes, really? me too, man. Like, like, really? absolutely. It was like, absolutely. It was, it was so beautiful. It was just like he approached her very not aggressively, but it's just like he's very a big hulking guy, Dave Batista. I mean, he's a wrestler dude, and he's yeah. And they like, shoot it from like they shoot a scene where like she's sitting down. Yeah, her. exactly. And we seen for him from his like angle, and like he's towering over this little girl. Well, and they frame it like, like he went to go shake her hand, and it's like this yeah. this big hulking hand to this like little uh, what? Eight, it's a weird se scene because seven or eight? He, yeah, eight. he's really smart and she's super adorable. Yeah, it's like quirky as fuck, and I like that. Like she talks about her friend, uh, what was it, Carol? Like don't be yeah. like Carol who farts, you know, in class <laughs> and then like <laughs> doesn't even admit it's her and and denies it, and then like she's talking to a grasshopper that she caught, who she named Carol. And that's our introduction <laughs> to Wen. And Wen's just like super special. Uh, like I said, she's like the light of the um, the movie. But um, we get Batista who approaches. And then like, like you said, John, like he's towering over, but he's very charismatic. And like you, it's like he's alarming because we know that he's approaching a child. Uh, but there's something, there's something charming about him, but we don't want to like fall into that. Right. But we do because I feel like the film does a good job of like the way he sits down with her and starts talking to her. Well, I, I thought the way M. Night Shyamalan, like, really filmed that, like, he grabbed the, the caterpillar very gently, like, the yeah. way he did it, because he's a yeah. hulking dude and just... But we see well, the tattoo that, like, services several times, like, we see his hand clutch, and we see his tattoos, which means that, like, this dude's been through some shit. Like, nobody gets their hands tattooed like that unless they've been in a gang or, like, they just love tats or the, you know, like, a bad right. life, right? Um. So like we're not gonna think school like school children or a child like a teacher at that moment with this character. But we also get the it, we get the backstory of him of being a coach, you know, just like I I'm gonna teach children to you know play sports or whatever, and he's a he's a good dude. Like I think that first a scene and it just sets up the film really well, and I think it it purposely like frames him as like possibly a pedophile like that's the image that they're trying to exactly. give you for a moment uh to to make your brain think that and i get that like that's totally what he seems like like a predatorial sort of like he's a hulking dude who's like talking to a child as if they're equals and there's a weird dynamic to it but we don't know everything that's going on 
But that's where our brain goes right away. And I like that the film does that. But at the same time, keeps, like I said, it keeps the four horsemen humanized. They're all, they all seem like decent enough people when you get to know them enough. The film does a couple of times where it cues into uh, elements of their, their life outside of what they're going through, um, like who they are. Well, you know, Redmond, we can get to him, but, uh, you know, he's problematic. But the rest of them, you know, there's a human quality to them, even though we don't believe them. Right off the bat, we're sort of like, well, who are these crazies? Mm-hmm. Well, it pays off at the end, though. <laughs> right, Jack? Yeah, because while he's talking to when we get to see, he keeps looking in the woods. We don't know, like, what is he doing? It looks a little schizophrenic for a mo- moment. You know what I mean? Like, and then it turns out he is, he knows that somebody else is out there. And it's, you know, the rest of the followers that are with him. Yeah. So I will say, Joey watched the beginning with me and he was like, this is really scary. And Joey never says that ever. Well, and I then as can... soon as mm-hmm. no, I'm just uh, it's a couple dads trying to look after their kid. I think that's enough mm-hmm. for it. That could resonate with Joey. Joey's a dad of yeah, three, you know what I mean. Like yeah. yeah, well, I think he appreciated like the suspense of the scene. Yep. But as soon as Leonard said something like, "We're here to, we need your help to stop the apocalypse" or something like that, he was like, "I'm going to the gym." <laughs> like, and then he was like, "This is stupid." So that's where he gave up. <clears throat> yeah. But. And I'll I'll save this for the end, but I will just give you a little heads up that there are two very major things that are different in the movie from the book. And I won't talk about them now because we're here to review the movie, but I'll share them with you at the end if you like. Uh, (laughs) You seem uncertain about that. Like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) No, do it how you think you should do it, because I think that's a good you already you have that extra knowledge already. Um, so, yeah, like I mentioned, like they, they frame him as like a pedophile sort of for a moment there. But I think it we work past that sort of mindset and realize that like there's more to these characters as they come in. Um, closer Jacqueline, to can I ask you something? The Knox, is there something to that? Because the Knox were very, very uh, uh, particular. Uh, yes, you're right. So the um, there were seven Knox at the okay. door. And that represents something. Hold on. I got to find my note here. Um, According to the book of Revelation, the end times will have a seven year period of tribulation where there will be seven sealed scrolls presented to Christ. Upon Christ opening the fourth scroll, the horsemen are unleashed order. So there is, I don't know about the, like the rhythm of the Nox, but the number of the Nox was deliberately meant to represent the seven, um, uh, the seven year period of tribulation. I told you. Yeah, I didn't notice that. No, it's very particular because it was like I, I counted it was, six. Now that you're saying the timing of it, like it was like, mm, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, interesting. I, yeah, I didn't look too much oh. into it, but it, I was just like, wow, that was very particular as uh, far as yeah. like, it the way weird. they were knocking. Yeah, it seemed uh, weird. Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? Who's there? No bell. No bell. No bell. No bell. That's why I knocked. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you said we needed to come this week with the knock knock jokes. And I well, forgot. someone did. One of us did well, come with knock knock jokes. Thank God. More. Knock knock. Uh oh. Who's there? Boo. Boo who? You don't have to cry about it. It was a good movie, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I'm the one slacker who didn't. I'm going to be Googling knock, knock. you guys are talking. Oh, no. All right. Who's there? <laughs> this is the last one. Banana. Banana who? Knock knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange, you glad I didn't say banana? Oh my god, it's uh, an oldie but a goodie. So I did write down that early on, like I'm, 
I'm really invested in when and Leonard's characters, like right off the beginning of the film. Like I think Same. the interaction between the two of them. And I think Batista, I think they're the two highlights as far as acting goes. And there's some good acting overall in every, everybody's parts in this, in this film. But um, those two specifically, I think really resonated with me. Like Batista, I just thought he brought this like gentle, uh, but this like tension, but you know, he's like, he's like a gentle giant, but there's tension based around his character. Cause we just don't know what he's capable of. Well, I, think I, I the completely more you agree find out you. about his character of, of working with kids, you know, yeah. like uh, the coach or whatever, like play yeah. basketball. Cause you see the picture of him. Like when that. in the beginning is actually genuine. Like he's actually absolutely with a child, you know, on a child's level, but also giving it, you know, giving her the proper respect. Cause you know, he's a, you know, stranger and stuff like that. Like trying to work his way in at the same time. I get that. But I also noticed that later on, there's a moment where they start explaining what they're doing. Um, and Andrew gets really upset, right? And starts talking back. The whole scene, Wen is just around him giving him a hug. They never tied her up the whole time. So like you get a cue into like, they're not as fiendish as we think from the beginning. You know what I mean? They have some kind of morals. There's There's a reasoning for why they're doing certain things. And they never tie up the kick, which could be a fucking problem. It should be the first thing you probably tie up, right? If you're like a home invasion sort of story, you know what I mean? Which this is. This is a home invasion tale played differently. Well, true. I mean, and Leonard catches when like trying to run away, but he just picks her up gently and it's like, yeah. you know, get back in here. Yeah. He, he doesn't do anything threatening. I thought the Redman character was actually really interesting because uh, Rupert Brent? Is that his yeah. name? I wish we got more Eric. of him, to be honest. He was, oh, quick, that guy? he was sort of dispatched like so quickly in the film. Uh, and he no, you get a backstory to him, though. No, he does. I mean, he has a bigger role to play in the story overall. But sure. um, he gets dispatched very quickly. I remember the first time seeing it, I was just sort of like, well, what the? You got this big name actor and he just killed him off right away. Like, what the fuck? No, but I love the setup to it. I love like like the the you know, the white um, thing that they put over their face. And it was like, yeah. that was I do a like the ritual shot. Of, of it all. Like the way they kill each other. It's yeah. So, um, they do it together like a unit. Um, Very ceremoni- ceremoniously. Yeah, yeah. And then they just drag them out. So yeah. like, they're not trying to scare everybody in the house, like with the dead body. Like they want to get the dead body out of there. Cause none of them, yeah. we find out like they're not killers. No, they're not. Yeah, I love the idea of them just like, you know, they're so scared that they're going to die, but then they do it. And it's just the emotion be- behind the other actors after they do it. They're just like, yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. And the, the none of the violence is really it seen. It's all off No, yeah. But it's, it is. it's like not, it's not gratuitous, you know? No, like it's not. Gratuitously show. And so like, I think that one of the things that really works is that even if as a viewer, you don't know whether you believe the story that these four people are telling. And we know that for the most part, our three protagonists don't believe the story that they're telling. Nonetheless, it's pretty clear that the four invaders believe that the story that they're telling, whether or not it's actually true, they believe it. And they are absolutely adhering to what they think they're supposed to do. Now, again, 
you know, we mostly don't really know up until the end, like what the truth really is. Yeah. But they have they have moments themselves where their belief falters a little bit. Um, yeah, sure. But like Very they don't cracks. nobody protest. Nobody protests when it's their turn to be sacrificed. No, nah. they don't want like, it to happen like they, they want. No, they don't want Andrew it to happen. And, but nobody's, yeah, nobody's like, fuck this. Sooner, but yeah. Yeah, nobody's like, fuck this. I'm not going to do it. You know, like no, they they're, the they're scared and they're they're terrified, but like they're they're like, well, this is what we're supposed to do, and I'm going to follow this. And so yeah. like, methods they work out. are all in. They're all in. Yeah. And what you guys are saying is absolutely right. But the thing is, is I went down this rabbit hole of like what people thought about this movie, and it was just like, um, no, they're attacking. It, let's put it out there. This is a gay couple. Two yeah. men that, that adopted a Chinese daughter. And it was like, no, they're attacking this this gay couple. And I went, when in this movie did you feel that way? So those are elements I like of it was, the it, film. It, it, I, I but I never what? felt like the film. Those are elements of the story. But I felt like the film never was. It was never gratuitous. It was never. No, no. I'm just I, I'm, I'm saying that we down this rabbit hole of like people reviewing this movie. It was like they were attacking a gay couple. And like the, it, like they're saying the movie itself is homophobic or like, right. like a or, 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 or like a social commentary of a gay couple. I don't right? think so, so I, at all. I thought no. that for a moment. I thought to look there for a moment, but I realized that like the two times I've seen it, it just never spoke to me that way. It don't I, go I down don't, that I don't take it that way. Using, it's using a gay couple who adopted a child as like, that's part of the story. Those are the right. But that's the thing story. is that, that, that these other like not a vehicle YouTube to further some shit will say this stuff. And, and yeah. like for me, of it just felt would. like a family being attacked. The minute you that's have it, yeah, I, game, I agree with you. People John. automatically get like weird about it. So like, so I think, yeah, I so yeah, I think don't that watch is specifically. That shit. I I think that 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 comment is like specifically addressed in the film, where the, the characters themselves at first think that they're being targeted because they're gay. Andrew and does right away because he's carrying yeah. a lot of trauma from. He yeah. is. Back. He's been badly yeah. mistreated, and yeah. he understandably is very suspicious of the situation yeah. and is quick and to assume end that they're being. Well, he got attacked by well, one of the guys. That one of the guys him. did yeah. literally attack him. Yeah, so he has good like reason. It. He has good yeah. reason, but I think that the movie very definitively establishes that um, the other three characters had no idea that. Well, and nope. even Rupert Grint, that like, yes, he is the one who perpetrated this attack years ago, but I don't think but any he's... of the four of them knew that yeah. these two individuals were going to be he never did, the people he never that they see in the cabin. In order to like see Andrew again, like it wasn't malicious. Well, you don't, his right. mind that it he's was like, not deliberate. Yeah, exactly. he's been. Right. Yeah, he's been re, re. He's got his retribution. He did his time and everything for that crime, and he's not that guy anymore. Sure. But somehow, that, but he was still but chosen. To piggyback on that is that you never see his face when he attacks. Yeah, you, uh, you don't. Is it? It's Andrew. Andrew. That, yeah. that they attack. Or it's a very attacks scene. in the bar, and yeah, you never is. see his face. That's right. But we do know it's him. We still know it's him. No, no, absolutely. But it's. Total it, anonymity, right? That's one of the first moments where you get like there's some doubt in between uh the attackers, like the invaders. Um sure. because yeah, are so like, like oh, it, he knows this guy. They are Ooh. so dedicated to their cause that like, yes, they're they don't want to die, but they know that their visions spoke to them in a way that like they believe exactly what they saw. Right. right. But when when they get the upper hand, them. Eric and Andrew, when they get the upper hand, is that Eric goes out there and he throws the license plate or license on the floor and it's like his name's O'Bannon. 
That's yeah, the so guy he's that, that's right. right. And I, I like exactly. Andrew's character. I like I like the dynamic between this family in general. Me too. I think the I two dads it. have a great relationship. They have a genuine love for each other. Um, for some, each other yeah, and for their and daughter. Their, their daughter, yeah. yeah. And what they've done to like to help her through life. Like they've given her like such a better life than she had in that orphanage. And well, so that's what they've gone through to do it. Yeah. Well, so I would say that this movie, like on the homophobia issue, I I would go a step further and say that I think this movie absolute absolutely like um n- what's the word I need like it, I think it like contradicts homophobia that's not the word I need but I hope I think it subverts your expectations because you start to think that that's where the plot's gonna go but it well, does I- it, it touches in on things that these gentlemen have had to deal with being homosexual but mm-hmm. um, I think it does a good way of telling you that like well this is something that Andrew's sort of dealing with. Where Eric yes. doesn't really feel this way as much in life, he sort of. I get that, and and Heidelberg, I, I I agree, but I think that all three of us agree that it, it felt like a family until it was brought up. It, yeah. it was like okay, so it's kind of pushing it into your face, but it just felt like a family. You're pushing what? Into your face? Like... I'm not sure. I know what you mean. Yeah. What do no, you mean? I'm just saying that 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 you know, um, I think Eric brought it up that it was just like really. Oh, because we're a gay couple or whatever it was. But like, to me, it felt like a family. Well, yeah. yeah. And so that's what I was going to say is that I think this movie is like the opposite of homophobic because it portrays this couple, this couple that happens to be gay as just like any other couple. Like they have a loving relationship. We see them as three dimensional, you know, fully formed human beings, like full characters. We see them, um, lovingly parenting their daughter yeah. it's just a Co-parenting, family yeah. and so I, <laughs> excuse me and so i i would say that this is like this is like the opposite of homophobic i think it's definitely promoting correct. like an equal and fair view of a same-sex couple yeah what i like and is so that i think people who are complaining about that. that are just like they have bad critical thinking skills. it does touch on the homophobic like phobia uh because in andrew's eyes because this is some some baggage that he's holding at this moment and mm-hmm. as his character is that he is he's holding trauma PTSD from the beating that he got from O'Banion, which rightfully so, you, you know, and he's also right. questioned his his like, I like that there's a the, there's a divide like his character is sort of um, I don't know, like there's plenty of parents that question when push comes to shove. Can I protect my family? But also mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes that feels like it's expounded upon the male uh, stereotype was like as men we really need to like mom always thinks about protecting the kids right but the man needs to think about protecting everybody you know what I mean yeah. in a situation yeah. and I feel like Andrew is going through that in his own way um, because of that and he's trained boxing he's trained to use a firearm since then and some of those things could be seen as paranoia or like you know uh, an extreme but I understand it too from the perspective of like the dad's like archetype you know what i mean like yes kind of what he is in this situation and like he never wants to be put in that situation again where he feels he's not in control and there's that there was also a little social commentary in there he beats the shit Uh, out of redmond right but there was a little social commentary in there when they went to go adopt when of um andrew no i guess eric well they don't uh, they don't admit to being a couple. They're Correct. Oh, right. it, it was like, I, I guess Andrew was the brother. Oh, my yeah. wife's not here, but yeah. the brother's here. Yeah. So I think, again, that just illustrates better. like the world in which they live. I think it's illustrating a detail about the world where that's the 
That's the lie that they're forced to tell in order to, to make this order happen. To the child. Yeah. And so yeah. I think like it's reasonable for Andrew to think that this intrusion is some form of an act of homophobia. Mm-hmm. I think he like he's he's well within, you know, yeah, reason to, to think that that's the case. Um, I don't think it's reasonable for a viewer to think that that's the case or that this film itself is like somehow homophobic or that the filmmakers. Are I don't think so. so there's, I think there's a separation there. Well. It's it's like reasonable. Said, so if anybody is, doesn't like this movie because they think it's homophobic, then that's just like. Now, uh, our character, Redmond, a, a complete misunderstanding, to have, you know. Like Redmond, the character himself at some point in his life was definitely homophobic, right? But oh, yeah. like, you know, I mean, yeah. whether he's dealt with that or not, we, we know that over through the story, the structure of the uh, story that he, you know, he's done time over it. And then when he was given these visions, it wasn't like in his mind, it wasn't because he knew Andrew. Like he had no plans of showing like seeing Andrew there was as much a surprise to him as it was to Andrew. Sure. Um, so, mm-hmm. but um, I do like. What about the, the character of Adrian? Is that her name, Adrian? Yeah, the dark-haired yeah. woman. Um, yeah. I guess the both women have dark hair. The the white woman. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I, yeah. she was. Yeah, you're right. I like. I like. So I personally like all the characters um, in this film. I loved them. It's a small amount of characters, but and it takes place in one setting, which I like. And I think this film does a majority of those things pretty well. There's a good interact. Like I like when we first interact with the. So I like the invasion, right? The invasion comes in like they look hostile, but they have to be in their mind. The reason that they're coming in is like to control the situation and get you under control. Um, but in 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 the eyes of Eric and Andrew, they, these are strangers busting into their house, their getaway, their daughters there. Um, they're scared for their lives and they're defending themselves. And Andrew does a, a valiant job beating the shit. He pushes back Sabrina and then fucking beats up Redmond just with his bare hands. Um, and I love that about that, you know, but he ultimately loses control of the situation. And like, you know, that's that's something that his character deals with uh, over the the film. But I like that. Like, I don't know. We get these different situations that play out where Eric gets concussed all of a sudden. But like there's moments to the story where like we're seeing visions that Eric might be seeing. And we don't know. Yeah. Is that because he's concussed or is that a vision from God or whatever? Um, I, I think the film isn't overly hand heavy handed in any of these elements where sometimes Shyamalan can be like, he'll build up something very um, elegantly and then just kind of heavy hand something else where you expected him to be, you know, kid gloves too with that. Uh, it's something that he does sometimes. I feel like it's a rush maybe on his part, mm-hmm. but I, I think he took his time more with some of the, this film. And I feel, I feel like it pays off. Like when, when, when the invaders come in and explain themselves to Andrew, it's, it's ridiculous in your eyes. Like you're like, what the fuck are you even talking about? But, <laughs> They believe in it. You can see that. <clears throat> you can tell that they're so different, all the characters, that they don't know each other. But they do enough that, like, you know, they travel together to get here. But that's, you could tell it. Like, they're from so many different walks of life. I think the film does a really good job about that. And it gives you, like, you're weighing these different characters as you're watching, where, like, you're you're obviously in Andrew and Eric's, um, you know, on their team. You know, you were team win. But at the same time, um, I don't know. The invaders are... There's something to them. Like there's a genuineness to them that we start to believe as they tell their tale. Um, it is a little info dumpy, though, I will say also. But I mean, I don't know how else you would do this kind of scene. You only have a, a limited amount of time to explain yourself to a set of strangers. You got to sure. do it by spoken word, you know, so which we'll see. Yeah. Info dump, but. And I mean, given the situation such as it is, 
I feel like that's how it would play out in real, like if yeah. this were real, like they'd have to be like, we don't have much time. Here's the situation. Here's what we got to do. And here's what you got to do. You know, um, I, I, I agree with you. And John, I think it was you who earlier mentioned something about like the, the four intruders, like they're mostly sure of themselves, but we do see glimmers where even they're not so certain about what they're saying. I think that was, yeah, I mentioned that. oh yeah. And sorry, Hedberg. Um, okay. One of my favorite instances of that is when the uh, Andrew and Eric refuse for the first time mm-hmm. to choose a sacrifice and they turn on the TV to see the news and they see like something happen, but it's nothing like catastrophic. Yeah, and they're all kind of they're all kind of looking at each other like, yeah. wait, where's what we were? And I think it's Sabrina who's like, this isn't what was supposed to happen. This isn't what we saw in our visions or whatever. And they're kind of looking at each other like, uh-oh, did we fuck up? Like, because they're not yeah. seeing what they expected to see. But then it takes a little time. And like a few minutes later, then the catastrophic tsunami. I think this is after is that when the wave killing happens? Redmond, right? The wave, yeah. Yeah. And, the, and then they feel... killing Redmond already. Is, yeah, I think. because Yeah, so they've they already killed the that guy. Time, so now they're and like, then oh they my kill God. Re- yeah, so they've refused yep. for the first time. So and perfect? therefore Redmond has to be sacrificed, mm-hmm. and then they turn on the news. Oh, because somebody says sacrifice part of humanity has play. been. Yeah, and I think That's Leonard says part of humanity has been, did, or a, yeah. a piece of humanity has been yeah. judged. So and then I they turn on the love news. Love how that see... scene's framed, and like he puts that mask on, that so nondescript sad. mask, and I was just sort of like, and you never see like you you expect to see his head get hit with it and blood fill the bag. It never happened. You see like What's a little trickle of blood and that's it, I think. What is you the know dialogue that they say before they die? Uh, uh, humanity has been judged or something yeah. like that? I think like, they say like a p- another like a piece of humanity has been judged. And at the yeah. end, the piece that says like all humanity has been judged. All of humanity has been judged, yeah. And so I, I just love that moment because it shows even them wavering in their certainty about what they're doing. And yeah. then when they do see the catastrophic tsunami, they almost look relieved. Like, they oh, look okay, we, at we first, were right. Because they're like, oh, shit, it's fucking. It yeah. yeah. But then they look relieved, like, okay, we did do the right yeah. thing. Oh, good. Crazy. The tsunami did come and kill hundreds of thousands of yeah. people. We but did the right I'm thing. I'm not crazy. Right. Know, exactly. Yeah, it was their vision. So but that's really that. good character development, I think. It, it is. Sure. I think it's really good. I, I like Leonard's monologue, too, like building up to uh, when he first meets him and he tells him sort of like who he is, what's going on. And like, I, th- I thought it's very well delivered. Mm-hmm. And Andrew's reaction to him, I thought was really good. It's very defensive and uh, rebellious. But um, at the same time, like I said, we get to see like Wen's on his back, like hugging him freely. Like she's able to bounce and back and forth to each parent and like hug them and console them while this is going on. And we know that like Eric's possibly concussed at this point. So he's out of it. Uh, bright lights are starting to like really bother him from like having the blinds drawn. But then he gets that glimmer. Yeah, he got a vision. When Redman gets killed, he gets the glimmer on the mirror. It's like a, a glimmer that engages his eye. And it's like he's seeing something beyond what's there. And we get a couple more cues at that later on in the film. So that leads me to one of my favorite things about this film, which is the tension created by the contrast between Eric and Andrew. Um, they have different backgrounds. They seem yeah. to have different worldviews. And so they are both experiencing this crisis in slightly different ways and they react to it. Absolutely. In different ways. And um, you can tell that Andrew is angrier. He's more aggressive. Has more of a chip on his shoulder. He's more aggressive. He's more defensive. Like you can tell he's been hurt by the world and he has yeah. his guard up. And yep. he's a ready skeptic. to like, he's ready. Yes. And he's ready to fight 
if he needs to. Mm-hmm. Eric, but we but we see why that is. His parents don't accept him. That was a heartbreaking yeah. flashback that we saw where his yeah. parents drove seven hours to stay for forty five minutes. And stayed for forty five minutes, and from the glimmer that we see of their visit together, it's very cold and very mm-hmm. detached, and that's heartbreaking. And so, and then and then based on what we know about being attacked in the bar, he's he has dealt with a lot of rejection and a lot of like hatred. And so yeah. we can see why he has that chip on his shoulder. Eric, on the other hand, is like a gentler kind of soul. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems like he had a religious background that maybe yeah. there are still vestiges of, even if maybe he's not fully practicing. We don't know. But there's a moment when they're in the orphanage and Andrew says to Eric, it's okay to pray if you want to. If you want to, yeah. It's like he's muted it maybe because it's not yes. interesting. Right. That's so a, he doesn't that's want to exactly bring it all into the relationship right away. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. part of his being. Yeah. yeah. So he's even more if accepted, he doesn't... right? Like, huh? yeah, because his mom sense. calls right away. How'd it go? Right. Right. A lot of times so... that's a troubled path when you, you know, you're, you're gay and you're dealing with something like you're a religious person or you come from mm-hmm. a religious background. Like that can be sure. troubling. Uh, it can for... go either way. Like I've heard, I mean, I think the vast majority of the time it's maybe not a great thing like not not a not a welcoming environment but i have heard stories of people who have had wonderful religious communities that have accepted them as being gay and yeah i feel like nowadays so, there's a lot more acceptance um yeah there should be <laughs> i mean come on i should i should hope so but I what do i know yeah. so uh so eric seems like maybe a little softer and a little gentler because maybe he hasn't had to become as hard as Andrew has. And so, and because of that like vestige of religious belief in him, he, this is such an interesting evolution for me. Like, of course the premise that they're presented with by the four intruders, I keep saying intruders or invaders. I hope that's, you know, it's not exact, but you know, you get it. I've been calling them that. Um, Like, of course it sounds preposterous, but I think it's so interesting to watch Eric slowly begin to like believe this yeah um and it and it it happens slowly and gradually but he's he's he resists it less than andrew does and then that creates tension between them and andrew's like what what are you talking stop listening to them you know yeah because they're on the same page like they both want to escape so like there's that moment where they're both escaping together like eric's cutting the rope um and and then and uh, andrew's trying to slip out of the rope and they're trying to time it and communicate. But at the same time, like you said, at that moment, Eric's belief is faltered, like different. Uh, you know, he's not as engaged in Andrew's belief as much as he's starting to come around to that fact that like there might be something to what this group is saying to them. Like, yeah, are they here? Like, why is it us that they're talking to? And, you know, what like, I mean, maybe like, we should make a sacrifice. Well, or like, yeah, something's going Andrew on. Said, or, to engage in the idea. Yeah, Andrew says on multiple occasions, listen to me. Don't listen to them. Listen to me. You're concussed. You're you're not uh, thinking right. Yeah, you know. But I understand where Andrew's coming from because he's trying to protect his family. So like sure. he, doesn't, he doesn't want his concussed uh, boyfriend or husband. I get they're married, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, your husband. Um, like making any deci- rash decisions based on the fact that like he doesn't think that Eric has it Absolutely. all together. We as right. the audience start to realize that like Eric has more together than than we know. Right. But there's reason to believe that. Oh, well, he's concussed. So maybe some of it is just sleight of hand. Like he's envisioning. Well, Andrew, Andrew also convinces him because uh, Eric tells him, I, I saw a figure. And, and Andrew goes, No, you didn't. You're concussed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and it's like, it's one thing if two people in a relationship disagree about their view on something and like, that's Sure. fine. But when it involves somebody in your family getting killed, it like, you really have to be on the same page, you know, Yeah. Yeah. like you really can't And afford that's to disagree about this particular issue. So, well, that's what Andrew's trying to convince him of is like, yeah. okay, you're concussed. You really didn't see this. You know, the lights, you're sensitive to light. So you didn't really see this. So he's trying to, you know, tell his husband, it's like, dude, calm down. <laughs> Yeah. So do you guys like the twist on the home invasion like subgenre here, like the way it does um, in this film? Uh, I don't know. It's like it plays on some of the tropes that we're used to with these kind of movies like home invasion films. But it is a different version of it. I don't know what um, I, Paul Tremblay I do. like Um, I like envisioned when the he designed Four it. Horsemen of the Apocalypse. I like that. I like that twist. I do like that there's a twist to it or like it's. It's something we're familiar with, but then there's a, a different edge to it. But I feel like Sure. the movie, I feel like the book probably does a better job at like letting you know what's going on gradually rather than the movie. Sort of like I already knew going in what these characters were. Um, I know. It's so annoying. yeah, Ugh, like it's, you can it really kind of frustrates just tell. me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hold off on my commentary on the book for now because I just want to judge the movie for what it is right now. But then I really do want to talk about the book because I think it might affect maybe even how you think about the movie. All right. So we uh we see Shyamalan. He's on the <laughs> fried chicken air fryer. commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Air I like fryer. that. And then we see the news report of the tsunami. I like how the the horsemen don't like we you already mentioned Jacqueline, like they don't really believe it at first. Um they see the report and they don't know Like, quite uh know. oh Yeah. Like this it isn't doesn't what we expected to see yeah. right now. And then it hits in and then I feel like they're relieved but a appalled at the same time because they're like fuck we're right but at the same time the fact that we're right now means that like the end of the world's yeah thing so like like you guys really nothing need to hurry ever up really and make your choice like yeah. and with that like knock now knock oh who's who's there there annie 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 who who anything you can do i can do too <laughs> okay i thought it was terrifying of the planes dropping out of the sky the way he filmed that i know it's cgi that's great but it terrifying i mean i just actually imagine really did that like world that though too like It reminded me of signs when the people are like watching on the balcony. I kept waiting for like, uh, I was waiting for what's his name to jump up and be like, Vamanos children, Vamanos. That's like my favorite movie in a Shyamalan movie ever. Um, Yeah, Um, no, but yeah, I no, liked the all planes. of the catastrophes that we saw. I thought That's they were, real they world all shit. looked Like good. if that happened, even, in a, even if a EMP went off, like that could do something similar where like planes fall out of the sky. Like that's dangerous. If There's what a lot went of off? lives that Yeah, are, the huh? tsunami, EMP, not so like much. a electromagnetic, uh, electromagnetic pulse. Um, Oh, right. oh, okay. Yeah. I I just just thought thought the it looked planes kind of cool. dropping out of the sky looked very terrifying. It I does. mean, just the way they were. And they were like, it, nobody was in control the way they were falling. They Yeah. were falling Yeah, like exactly. the dirt, you know I what mean, I mean? It's just like like plop, plop. to an extent, isn't that what everybody's at least just a little bit afraid of when you fly on an airplane? Exactly. Yeah, right. Like logically, I don't you control. know that that does not happen, but isn't there just a part, of, a little Possibilities part of there. all of us who are like, Yes. boy, I hope this plane doesn't just suddenly drop out of the sky. Like, Yeah. <laughs> it's just like this primal kind of like little anxiety that I think most of us have, or at least I don't. What did What Well, did all you three guys of us live on a coast, so I mean, it's Yeah. just like, okay, if you see a big wave coming at you, you're running your ass off, but like, I'm just fucked a plane over here dropping if that happens. out of the sky. What? Yeah. I'm probably fucked over here if a big wave comes. Me Sure. too. We'll see. Me too. I'm right I live by the on, coast. on an island. Yep. So. The day after tomorrow. You've seen it. Yeah. I Yeah. certainly have. It's a It's fun about movie. the, yeah, the, Yeah. Did you the guys weather. see The Impossible? 
No. Uh, it stars Naomi Watts, and it's based on the true story about the um, tsunami in Thailand, like, what, like 15, 20, 20 years ago? Oh, that's the one with uh, Tim Roth? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I Naomi Watts. That is no. a terrifying movie. Yeah, they get split up from their kids mm-hmm. and like some crazy shit happens. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's not. And it's a true story, which is like yeah. unbelievable. But that that was well, also like really. So that's what's terrifying here is like all of the terrible catastrophes that take place as a re- seemingly as a result of um, Andrew and Eric not making a choice. It's like these are things that already happen in everyday life. And I think that's so brilliant because it creates just enough doubt for us as viewers, but also the Mm -hmm. characters, it's like, who's to say that it's not just coincidence, right? Like, it's not like, oh, the earth just suddenly blew up. It's like, oh, this plague is getting out of hand. Well, we've already done that, you know, like we've seen that happen. Or, oh, the tsunami came and, you know, washed away this coastline. Well, that happens in real life too, you know? And so it's like, it's a, it's, it creates enough doubt that like, that this is really a result of them making not making. Do you know what sure. I mean? So I think yeah, there was like a, a these are these are re- problems that were already like bubbling over at, at some point. So yeah. like they're bound to happen, and the fact that they've happened recently doesn't make these guys profits. You know what I mean? Right, and, Andrew, and so it makes it harder to convince these yeah. people that they need to convince. And then when there's you know? moments of doubt in the actual group, like but, you know, when, they also uh, brought Redmond, up a pandemic. So, when I they mean, yeah, when they like... find out Redmond, they brought it. So this film brings up a lot of things without ever actually like leaning on them too much. But there's right. so many other things that could come into play. Like you could make arguments for this being like a, an, an argument about you know uh, quarantine or or gay rights or trans issues. Like there's a lot of things. This this I feel like this film mm-hmm. could possibly be. Um, people could inject like their thoughts yeah. on some of the issues. I feel like it, and I feel like the film does a. a does it on purpose almost is where it leaves those open but it never leans in on them and there's and it moves us along in the story where like yeah those those could be a thing you guys could could talk about if you want as critics Mm -hmm. um and engage on but like we're not going to speak on them personally you know what i mean there if you want it but we're not gonna like yeah and i just i do think this film opens up several avenues for discussions it's interesting to I could see someone coming from different directions being like, no, this film's about this. And I could be like, I don't agree with that, but I, mm-hmm. I'm very interested in the fact that you got there. Well, Heidelberg, I mean, it's like you can watch anything on YouTube and they're like, we're going to analyze this. Oh, this is about the pandemic. Oh, this is about gay rights. This is well, about yeah, I mean, you can, whatever. you can do that anywhere. But I think yeah, this film kind of opens up those avenues. It, a it does bit. everything. But yeah. that wasn't the theme of the movie. I mean, like for me, it was just more of like an apocalypse. And- yeah. But I, I think those other things basic. are there for the taking if you want sure. them, but they're not necessarily yeah. about that, you know? Right. I mean, the you can go down the rabbit theme. hole and just, oh, yeah, I agree with this. I disagree with this. Whatever. I mean, it's like, to me, it's a movie. No, no, I know. I'm just saying, like, I think the film tries to open up some avenues there where, like, there there are discussions that could be had. Sure. I don't feel like that's that's not really where my brain goes. Um, I think it's more of a basic story about, you know, taking you know, care of your family, protecting your family. You're young and um, coming to, you know, a redemption arc, too, because I feel like there's a re- there's a redemption for um, for Andrew because he's been carrying this pain for a long time um, yeah. and rightfully so. But I feel like the last moments with Eric sort of like it's about Andrew sort of finding his faith, too, even though he's not a religious guy. Um, he comes to grips with like the fact that he was wrong for some of the argument, too. He finds out later on that these people were who they said they were. They were doing mm-hmm. what they said they were doing. Um, and what was happening was really happening. We get the scene later on where like 
we see the the news stories and they seem uh, it's one of my criticisms about the film is that like we don't engage enough with it where it feels like realistic it's very just like oh you turn the tv on and here's kind of the way andrew sees it you know what i mean like you turn it on and like oh the story's on and it's engaging like in the next couple of days all this stuff happened and like it didn't seem like the reporters were like really worked up about it. Like they were engaging on like this one story about planes crashing, but they weren't surprised that like a bunch of kids just died the day before. And the day before that fucking a tsunami hit, like, you know, wherever, like, so there were moments of the newscast that hit and there were moments where they kind of washed over me where I just wasn't, they didn't engage any type of anxiety in me as an audience member where I felt like they could have a little bit. It, it did for me because it's like the uh, Leonard character was repeating what the newscaster was saying. And then Andrew was like, how'd you know that? How'd you know exactly what she was going to say? And it well, was yeah, like that was that me. one scene. In the I know, end. but it was like at the, towards the end of the movie. And it was just like, Oh shit, this is real. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, they were, they had an alternate agenda. They were just trying to save the world. Yeah, and but they were hesitant about. You know, imagine being given that that message, like you have to save the world by doing this, this, and that. Exactly. Like, but he stood in front of the TV that? and yeah. was mimicking, yeah, that mimicking what the newscaster. Was. Which well, I there's think- that moment earlier in the movie where um, Andrew's like, "It's a different newscast," but he's like, "Didn't you see the scroll at the bottom? This was pre-recorded. Like this is right. already aired. This is just a, yeah, a it's, like it's not live." And I mean, so that would have explained, tower, right? you know, that would have explained oh. how the. Um, how Leonard knew the newscaster and, was going to say if he'd already seen the original broadcast. Right. And Jacqueline, so. it, it was, it was live at the end of the movie. It said live at the bottom. Oh, it did. And, oh, yeah. Uh, when you get to the diner, he said the exact same thing. I mean, when, when Leonard was repeating or like, correct. Like in, he, he in was mimicking what the newscaster yeah. was saying. Uh, uh, that part was live. Okay. Well, never mind. Yeah. That part was. Live. So what did you guys think of, what did you think of Eric's memories? So there's different memories in this film that were played on. Um, there's Andrew's memories and there's Eric's, right? Um, a lot of Eric's to me take place right before we got to the cabin. There's a good portion of them that just are about like setting up their arrival to the cabin. I think those memories would have been better served as, you know, played out in the beginning of the actual film. Like there would there could have been a moment where we got to the cabin. We see this couple bringing their kid. We could have had that moment in the car where they played the music and they're like, oh, they're a happy family. They make their way to the cabin they get there uh when is looking around she's playing around in the area and then like we get the sense that like somebody's out there maybe but we can't tell right and you build up that suspense for a little while where like somebody's out in the woods but nobody knows really but us as the audience know something's off and then you know the dads they decide to have their charcuterie or whatever and some wine and they send uh, when go play for a little while and go catch some grasshoppers and then we get introduced to um you know, Leonard, I, I think that would have played out those memories, the way they were serviced in the film. Um, they didn't really do anything for me. I think they would have been better placed in the beginning, just as setup. I think Andrew's memories, which are callbacks to moments in his life, they play out better when like they service the narrative better where they're placed. I thought Eric's memories didn't really do anything for me in the in the present. Now, I felt like they were all flashbacks of just setting up, you know, the establishment of the cabin and their relationship between Wine and Andrew and him. And I just thought they would have been serviced better earlier on in the film, not as memories, just as like regular scenes setting. I, we don't get a setup with the cabin. We just get introduced to when in the woods, boom. And then like, but then don't you think that would have slowed down the suspense of that opening scene? Agreed. 
if we yeah. had seen well, any I of that feel like we could have like... built up to that suspense with more suspense of like something's out there in the in the wilderness but we don't know what it is and then eventually batista does show up and i i think the character development i thought andrew like having those flashbacks was perfect um eric having this like 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 um you know, a uh, utopia type thing was fine, um, which developed Eric as like the the believer, and then Andrew as the skeptic. You know, yeah. like having these differing thoughts, right? No, no, you're right about that. I just meant like the the way that the narrative sort of uses Eric's visions differently than Andrew's. I think Andrew serviced the plot more. Whereas in Eric's, I just thought could have been better placed in the beginning as actual. That's to be honest, like. I didn't think too much of that, but I do see what you're saying. I just yeah, yeah it's the same because when they show them their moments before Leonard and everybody got there anyway, so I'm like, oh, why why not just give us this moment where like the couple showing up to the camp uh, to the the cabin and they're introducing um, went into the cabin and and like she's wandering around in the woods and then we get the sense like a slasher film almost like. Wait, there's somebody in the woods. Maybe we get a POV shot of somebody behind the tree, and we're like, "Oh." There was a big plot hole in that too. It was like Andrew kept saying, "Oh, they got a truck out there. They came here just to like like pick on us." Um, Mm -hmm. There was a truck out there at the end of the movie, and it was just like it was open and it was O'Banion's truck. Yeah. So, a question for you guys is: How do you feel about the final decision in the movie where Eric? you know, wants to sacrifice himself to save the world. What do you think about that as like the the climax or the culminating moment of the... Uh... It was fucking sad. I mean, like for me, like uh, I watched it one time. I thought just, I just thought it was sad. I, I it, it was emotional. It was just, it took me out of the horror element and just like became real. I was just like, really? I do yeah. think it's sad. Um, I also think it sort of takes away a little bit of the ending. Um, The ending in this film is sort of just very safe and clean. And I don't really like that. I feel like there's, there's a lot that happens in the, in the, in the, like the last day or so of this, like how long they're there for like at least a day. Right. Or cause they have, I think it's, I think it's only about 24 hours. Yeah. 24 hours. Like a day. And there's so many stakes that have happened with not just our main characters, but the world in general. And when, when, when and fucking, Andrew drive away into the sunset. That just it doesn't speak on those stakes to me. Like it just so seems I'll, so upbeat, and I don't think it should be. So I don't know if you guys have like read what the major differences are with the book. I heard uh, Street Chillin covered this, so they oh they did. Dang it. Okay. Well, so you already know then. A little. Well, I'll, I don't. I'll. I'll, I'll I know share that it plays it. out better in the book. I'll. I'll. Sh- I'll share after my after my re- my final review, but I. I also, even if I hadn't read the book, Hyderberg, I think I would agree with you. It feels like a safe ending. And I felt like kind of let down and disappointed by Eric one like making a definitive choice, Eric following through with it, and then them finding out like, oh, you know, they were telling the truth the whole time. So we really did save the world. I I just um like I think I think fine. Have have Andrew like, oh, kill Eric. That's epic, right? Andrew kills Eric. Yeah. Because Eric, that's his last wishes that he wanted. Um, and obviously, like, Eric makes that decision. Part of it's based on, that, like, Andrew, yes, he carries this trauma with him. But at the end of the day, like, he's the better protector for when, right? Like, that's how Eric sees Andrew. As in, like, he's trained in this new world that we're going to be in. Like, he 
he's who like Eric wants him to take care of their child. He's decided that um, he's willing to sacrifice himself to save the entire world. It's questionable because like we don't know whether any of the, any of it's true. But um, I think the killing of his lover like hits. But then the 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 way the film ends overall just sort of takes away from that. Um, like you like. I wish there was more repercussions on like Andrew's side of like, oh my God, like, like give me a missed ending where like this fucking, like he's like, this is killing Like him. the world ends anyway. Yeah. Cause he, just, he, just so he did it for nothing. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. we hear the shot go off, but we don't even actually see it. It's, it's like the sound effect plays off and we don't see the actual scene. We don't really see Ben. I mean, Andrew have to deal with like that anguish for a moment there. I wish we got yeah. to see more of that. Because I think their relationship is one of the strongest parts of the film. I think that and when is the like, when's the core of the film, in my opinion? You know, she's the heart of the film. And then their relationship built around that. It's very strong. There's super strong elements of it. I think there's moments where they diverge a little bit and and fumble a little bit. Um, But overall, I think the message gets across. Um, But I do think the ending could have been harder, a little bit edgier. You can have what him if, uh, and the girl drive away, fine, but there should have been more heartache to it. And yeah. Or like, what if you never found out whether, you know, the apocalyptic stuff stopped or like you don't yeah, know whether the world ended cool or not. Too. It would just be like, like the a world's going to end anyway and they're still going to drive or like you don't know but, one way or the other. Yeah. Like, did it stop? You know what would have been an interesting Shalman like ending? Hold on. What? What about when taking her own life? I don't know. That's don't know and then they're stuck together. Yeah. I don't know about like suicide for like an eight year old. I know. But, I do, not, I do oh know that the story God. has a that would have been a Shalomon ending right there. There's a twist. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. It'd be tough. I don't know. That seems like too adult of a decision for like an eight year old to make to me. Yeah, but she, she, she just. I don't know. I don't know what had been the better ending. I mean, maybe them battling of mm. like good versus evil, believer versus non-believer. Mm. Okay. So I don't know. Can I go on a rant for it real quick? Oh Six yes. Second. Okay. Rant. There's no fucking on. way in hell Leonard fit through that fucking window in the bathroom. <laughs> and the fact he didn't, that they, he didn't go out the window. No, he doesn't. But the fact that Andrew and Eric even entertained the fact oh. that they thought that he could get through that fucking window, the, the size of that dude's shoulders. Stupid. Yeah. There's no way. I give it. I give. Tisha's a big dude for trying to. Yeah. I love him in this film. I think he's so understated. Like I like it so much. I just, I yeah, I like the relationship between him and Win. It was just like, yeah. it, it, it I like him as gentle, a leader too, but, but he's very threatening. He's the fiercest looking guy, but at the same time, he's not really coming. He's the gentlest. He's, he's really gentle. gentle. Yeah, and he, he like is. the way he throws up at the first kill. Like he does. He's not a killer. No, he's a no. second grade teacher for God's yeah. sake. And we could tell yeah. like he's probably been through some shit and then made a turnaround in his life where like teaching was his calling and he found himself like helping children and that was like the thing in life that like got him through that dark moment. And then Jacqueline, now was was this the um young girl's first acting job? That I don't know actually. Oh, okay. Um I don't know. But so okay, she I just have to say awesome. Uh, you guys both praised her acting and Dave Bautista. I completely agree with you about Dave Bautista. I was so impressed by his performance um, because, just as you said, he looks so threatening, but plays yeah. the character with such like compassion and gentleness. Jacqueline, you've never seen the Guardians of the Galaxy, have you? I've not. Okay. Um, and so I, I was he like, how does this guy who's a yeah. wrestler, like, how is this guy such a good actor? Like, I thought he was so... 
emotive. Like he was wonderful. I have to say, I did not enjoy the acting by the actress who plays no. Len. No, I did not enjoy. I'm very hard on child actors. I will say, like, well, you're a monster. I like. I get it. You know, zero. <laughs> no, like, I totally get. It. I understand. I really it, like any sign of like precocious, like over precociousness, or like children who use intonations that uh like actor like child actors who use like vocal intonations that children just don't use yeah i got it you. it really grates like even a little hint of it i'm like Mm-mm. like it immediately it's like if i i can sniff it out from like a mile away and it just really grates on me and so there are kids out there that. like that so there is once in a while you catch a kid who just has like a dialect that you're not once in a while yeah but like this 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 actress got, I, and i don't want to criticize her as an actress it's just i think it's a problem that comes up a lot with child actors and it's not their fault they're children how are they supposed to know but um it, it's just like this inauthenticity that Ooh, just really it's like fingernails on a chalkboard for me and so she was very cute very very cute and she did a great job acting but there was this like um this like affect that she put on this like overly affected kind of adult sort of sound to her speech that really rubbed me the wrong way and i'm, I'm sorry I, I did not enjoy her her performance but dave bautista i thought was incredible and the two actors who play the dads were just like yeah, chef's kiss Fantastic. I love great. um what's his name? Jonathan Groff. Is his first name Jonathan Groff? Who he plays, plays Eric? um Eric? Yeah. Yeah. I love him. He's on Mindhunter. Yeah, he's and, great in uh, Mindhunter. He's also in Frozen the Frozen he? movies, the That's Disney. That's right. Frozen. Yeah, he's the dude in Frozen. I, I didn't even place him as the guy in Mindhunter until you just Damn. said him. now yeah. once you said it it linked, it was like, Yes, that is him. Yeah, I, I yeah. love him. Yeah, I think he is so good. And I thought the actor playing um Andrew, Andrew. was was I like Hot Sabrina. Shot. Like I like. Well. I also like the the villains in this film, or like whatever you want to. Yeah. Categorize them as, and but, antagonists. You could yeah, say. Yeah, the antagonists per se. Like I thought there could have been more of them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly, one of my gripes is that I think there could have been more character development in in both sides a little bit. Um, I don't know exactly what you do with certain scenes, but maybe cut a couple things and add a couple things here and there that just like I don't know. Um. Eric and Andrew's relationship, I wish I got a little bit more of. Um, and then, the, I don't know, the antagonists, too. I just felt like there are moments where I just wish I knew a little bit more about them. Like, Redmond gets dispatched so fast. Mm-hmm. I felt like his character had more to say. Possibly. But at the same time, like, you know, it's he still serves the, the point of his character where it brings the doubt into his group because we find out that, like, he was a hate monger who you know, interacted with Andrew. So there is some legitimacy to what Andrew's saying when he claims that like, oh, you guys are just like lost. You're following some cult bullshit, like internet groupie bullshit. And like, there might be some truth to that based on the fact that like, oh, well, how does he know O'Banion? Oh, this guy's name is O'Banion. Like, yeah. that's, we didn't know him. So I thought there's some some moments there that are pretty good. I like, uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? A little old lady. A little old lady, little who? Old lady who? Hey, you can yodel. <laughs> knock knock. Yeah, who's, who's there? there? The interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. cow. <laughs> I'm act- that one's actually in the book that I got these from. Oh no, you oh, have Jesus. a book? Oh my god. No, I mean I don't have a book, but I. Oh. I okay. I agree. I, I think promise I, I was gonna I, bring knock knock jokes last week. I. <laughs> I I think if we got more of a positive side of Eric and Andrew's relationship, like them getting married or whatever, and 
you know, going through that. That would have been awesome. We don't need a backstory on everybody else. I thought they did it perfectly when they stole Redmond's truck of like seeing, you know, that, that Sabrina was a nurse and uh, yeah, that was for Andrew Adrian's picture of uh-huh. uh, her and his, so that and Andrew her realized that, like all these people were telling the truth, like the whole time. Right. Exactly. Right. I Andrew thought that was made. fine, but uh, like, like getting a little more backstory on Eric and Andrew of just like the good times with the bad times. And it's like the yin and yang, the evil versus good, whatever. No, you're right. I, I like, yeah, because if you if you give too much information behind the the uh, the antagonist, then it takes away a little bit of that air of mystery. But well, Andrew actually said, "I don't believe that she's a mother." Yeah, I know. You know yeah. And you get that answer later in the movie or at the Which end. Which I of the felt movie. was part of my 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 critique too. It feels a little clean that he goes through all the bags and just happens to find like yeah. She's just like they happen, they happen to have all kid. their stuff. Like, with them, yeah, yeah, bro has a I, picture I, of his fucking. He has his actual like and, teacher certificate. Like, oh my, <laughs> I might need this in the apocalypse. I better take it with. <laughs> yeah, that's you know true. I mean? Yeah, that's case, right. the thing is, is that, okay. So, but they also, you or know, did they are take human it because it was part of their vision? They knew that he was going to. They're see being it. summoned as the four horsemen of yeah. the apocalypse. And it's I understand the two people having their work badges because that makes sense. They're like on their bags right. in their car but batista having his teacher certificate was a little lame in my opinion um i don't think that I, I do like that like andrew kind of comes to grips with like oh shit like i, I disagree yeah but i think no it's i disagree good- I, I i thought that was a nice reveal i thought it was nice that that yes all these people are who they said they were except i do Bannon no i think that's cool Redmond. i just think it's a little clean at the end, where he finds no. it at the diner, I like, see your point. I think you could have had that same moment played out differently in the film, where he killed. He still comes to the realization that like he was wrong the whole time, and then like he has to deal with that. And I, maybe it's finding their bags, but I don't know. Maybe it's just the way it's where it's placed in the film. But I just felt like it's like they go to the diner, the news plays. He finds out that like oh the news is right. Like it's the news stories that he was seeing were were the real news. They, he looks right. in the back, finds their stuff, and then they hit the road and they play the song. Like it just, I don't know. It I was, did like the, I did like the the daughter or the waitress calling her mom saying, "I I, I love your family." Yeah, that was some cool I, like side. Like that was great in the background just to give a little bit more of a realistic like feel to the scene. I like that. That was good. Yep. Well, guys, we're getting a little short on time here. Uh, you guys ready to do your individual reviews now and kind of wrap it up a little bit? Um. Yeah, so like the ending works for for you, John. Me and Jacqueline seem yeah. like maybe we have a little bit of a an issue with it. Um, I don't know. It just feels a little clean. Uh, knock knock. Who's there? Who's there? Deja. Deja. Who? Knock knock. Who's there? <laughs> the I think that was the joke. <laughs> yeah. That was oh, well done. That's <laughs> all I got, guys. All right. Well, John, this was your pick. Yes. Why don't you give us your review first? Uh, I'm going to go real quick. Um, I love the acting in this movie. I thought it was great. Uh, Jacqueline, I know you didn't like the actress uh, when, but, you know, I think I, I think that that's in Night Shyamalan's thing. So, you know, I thought she did a great job, though. Um, everybody else did a really, really good job. It's easy to figure out this is the four horsemen of the apocalypse unwillingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they weren't trying to be, but they are. Yeah. Um, there are some really terrifying scenes in this, and it was um, like it should have been R rated. There was a couple of f bombs dropped in it. Pop, it was R rated, huh? It was R rated. It was, and mm-hmm. I think it was just because they said "fuck 
quite a bit. Um, but man, I, I, I've been thinking about this movie a lot. I've, I've had a lot of fun watching it. So I'm actually going to give it a uh, 7.5 out of 10 boogie shoes. <laughs> Got it. All right. Um, go ahead, Jacqueline. I'll go what next. Yep. Yeah. So I think this is, for the most part, really good storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the things it does the best is illustrates characters to us. And that gives us stakes in the circumstances in which they find themselves on both sides. Um, I actually feel like the relationship between Eric and Andrew is pretty well illustrated in the movie, including like the strength of their bond. And so I don't feel like I need any more of that, like to, to establish that relationship for me. I would welcome more, but I don't feel like I need it to like fully understand the relationship or to see more of like the good parts or whatever. Um, I feel sure. like that was really effectively done already. I do agree that I I would kind of like a little more fullness of character of the the four invaders. I do think they're like the film does pretty well with that. But you know, I've said this before. One way that I really like how movies can illustrate a character for you is by letting the viewer see them alone when they're not trying to convince anybody of anything, they're not putting on any facades. You just see a character like alone with himself or herself. Um, And one of my favorite examples of that is American Beauty. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, I'm sure. But um, in this case, like I think there's a touch of that where the characters aren't alone. And I'm talking about the invaders. They're not alone, but for the moment, they're not trying to impress or, or convince the protagonist of anything but when they're watching that tv and they're waiting for the vision that they have basically been promised you know like that's essentially like a moment where they've dropped their pretenses or like they're they're just kind of among themselves mentally for the moment like they're not even thinking about the other three and so like that's that's like a that's a genuine moment yeah um didn't you get that from the parents like uh andrew's parents in comparison to eric's like, 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 as far as like the way they felt about their sons. Yeah, I mean, married. I think so. I think that those were like indirect ways of telling us something about these characters' backgrounds, right. for sure. Um, but for the moment, I'm just I'm talking about the four invaders that I feel like I would have liked oh, to have okay. seen. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, like maybe Redmond and Leonard talking by themselves where nobody else can hear them. And just like, you know, Leonard telling him to pull it together or something or Redmond mm-hmm. trying to say, like, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on. What if like, we're wrong? I what don't if, know. If, like, yeah. That something like or Sabrina. I don't want to do something like to, that. To, uh, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Mo- moments alone or or just one on one with each other, I think. would. I think a moment of hesitation with Redmond would have worked well for his character, too, because so he too. is like sort of like this. Uh, like a little a bit like of the, of the hothead. He's like the worst yeah. of the group. And we find yeah. out like he's done some horrible things in his life. But yeah. we do get the sense that like at some point, maybe he does feel like he, he wants to redeem himself. Yeah. And that's why he gives into these visions because he feels like, well, maybe this is my way of, um, you know, like I feel so strongly about these visions that like this must be the way that I can, you know, be a better person because I, I want to be a better person. So like we get right. that. But if we had seen him falter a little bit and yeah, Leonard has to like, you know, shake them up a little bit, like, hey, yeah. get your head in the yeah. game. I don't know. That would have been just see those. That's what I mean. Like little moments like that would have just like personalized the yeah. group a little bit. I agree. Where I felt like they were pretty humanized already, but there was something. There felt like there was something lacking too. Yeah, we could have had a little bit more fullness. I think it was if like a surface level. See... It's like a thing with this film in general. There's a lot of surface level stuff going on, 
-hmm. And then when I want to dig a little bit deeper, there's not as much deepness to the film as I would like there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, the, the four horsemen characters are not like, they're not shallow characters, but I feel like they could have a little more richness to them. So, yeah, but I understand John's like saying that there should be a lot of ambiguity to them too, because that's what the film is playing on. Like, right. The fact yeah, that we so, don't know like, the horsemen and then they, they are, but reluctantly, you know what I mean? Like they're not the horsemen that we envision. Yeah. Yeah. Drew on the horse. Yeah. Uh, another storytelling strength, I think, is the flashbacks. I, I actually really like all the memories and flashbacks, and I like how they're sprinkled throughout. I, I do also. I just think that I think that Andrew's service that like his his character very well, <clears throat> um, <throat> his backstory, and where yeah. I feel like Andrews, I don't know, like a hey, lot Eric's. of Andrews are mainly. I mean, yeah, Eric's. A lot of Eric's are mainly just a, like stuff that happened right before the attack so I, that's the only reason why i say like i feel like they, they could just play as regular scenes without being memorable. I, I i like that though i like <clears throat> i like that with the opening scene we get to just jump right in with when playing outside and the strange man approaching i think that's like a really yeah. a pow like strong way to start the movie and just throw you into it right away like oh no danger i think that's i no, think I mean, that's a, it, a great it, opening. It is. i i, I don't want to see it like led up to with the but there are know, scenes humdrum. of that. There are scenes like that already that play out later on through. Later, Eric's- but they're later on. Like, but yeah. I think just starting the film like right in it is really effective, and I, I'm okay with that. I I wouldn't want to lead up to that scene with the kind of like humdrum stuff that happens when you arrive at your your uh, vacation house. No, I just felt like we could have built the tension and- a little bit more with some of those earlier scenes, like of uh, like that. There's something off in the distance that we can't see as the audience. That there's. I think that would have made it there. seem like more. I think it. I think like every movie Nefarious. does that. It could have built up the fact that. that like the four horsemen could have you know been more nefarious or seem more. This nefarious. is my review, Hyderberg. You'll have your chance. <laughs> Oh yeah, my bad. Well, John went to go to the bathroom. That's okay. Right. Well, <clears throat> anyway, so I I like the opening scene. I think it really works, and I like the. You're wrong, and here's why. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like the placement of the flashbacks. I like the way that the opening scene begins. I wouldn't change that. Um, that's just my opinion, Heidelberg. Um, holy. Yes, holy shit. You holy shit. <laughs> um. Okay. So here's where I'm going to talk about the book. I don't like the ending. Um. Of the movie. I don't like the ending of the movie. I agree with you, Hyderberg, that it is too neat. And the book gets much darker and much more ambiguous. Do you guys mind if I spoil that for you? No, go ahead. Please. Okay. So in the book, fairly early on, like maybe halfway through, when actually dies, um, there's like a struggle over uh, Andrew's gun. <clears throat> like Leonard and Andrew are struggling over it and it goes off and it accidentally hits when and she dies so that's oh, wow. that's like the big shocker in the book and um but that's that can't be the sacrifice because it wasn't chosen yeah and so even though when dies eric and andrew they still expect eric and andrew to make a choice between the two of them to sacrifice so there would only be one now so there, there would only be one, be one left and so the way it so that and that's pretty early on I, like i said i think that's about halfway through the book so the way it ends so they already so in addition to this crisis that they're suffering they have to add on to that the death of their child and it's it's absolutely horrific and like it rips your heart out for real um so the way the book ends is very ambiguous the four um the four and actually i think yeah the four in, intruders all die 
and Eric and Andrew decide that not they're going they're not going to make a choice. They decide to stick together no matter what, whether this apocalypse is real or not, they're going to stick together and um like their their love and commitment for each other is stronger and more important than whatever may or may not be happening around them. And so they kind of just like I forget whether they find the truck and drive off or whether they walk off into the woods. I forget how they leave, but they just kind of walk off together, um, like secure and like their love for each other. And they have this kind of like come what may attitude, like whether it's real or whether it's not real. But it's we're going to go through like oblivion. Maybe, but it's very ambiguous. And so it's Mm -hmm. this this kind of feeling of like whatever it is or isn't, we're going to do it together. Mm -hmm. And so to me. That is completely 100% different from the movie's ending. I think and it's better. I, th- I think it changes the whole meaning of everything. And so I, I, I like the ending of the book so much better. I think it's, it's, like a br- it's like a brave place to take the story, both in the darkness of Wen's death, but also in like the uncertainty of what the two dads decide to do. Right. <clears throat> and I think that it it changes the whole meaning because it changes what it's all about. Like the, so I take the ending of the book to be kind of a statement on the power of like love and the commitment that you make to another person. Um, And I take the ending of the movie to be like about what somebody's willing to sacrifice for the greater good. Mm -hmm. And to me, those are two different stories to tell and two different messages to convey. And I, 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 I don't love the kind of tidiness of the movie's ending. To me, the book, it, it almost is more like the ending of The Thing, like John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, we don't so, know what the truth is, but we're going to just wait it like, out and see. You one know? thing and, in the ending of the of the story here is that, like, I do like that Andrew sort of, like, comes to grips with, like, his anger issues or, like, the trauma he's had. Um, like, overall, he realizes that, like, some of these things have benefited him, I feel like, um, to make him the better protector for when, mm. you know, that he was chosen to be by Eric. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Like, I like the ending in that book, though. A lot yeah. So like, I think there's still some of that redemption in the book, even though in a different way. So I yeah. think Andrew finds redemption through the love that Eric has for him. And it's like the the love that he shares with Eric makes him a better person and a better man. Right. Um. So I think that's much more. I think that's actually much more touching because it's so much more personal. Yeah. And I, I see. disagree. And so, yeah. Okay. The only reason why is because, I mean, the love for a child. Uh, again, I don't have kids, but wouldn't that? <laughs> I hate saying. Do you this. think losing, um, losing their child? Would if be you had to choose between them. your kids. And your husband, who would you choose? But you don't have they that's not their choice. That choice was they not. have a choice between sacrificing a member of their family right, and maybe but, or maybe not saving the world, but they don't know. And at that like, point, that's the an child impossible is taken tra- out of the equation. So like Yeah, yeah like the true. child is yeah. accidentally taken out for saving them. Saving so a world like, they don't even for the child that they're raising would make sense, but now that they're gone, but the child's like, gone. So like that's they just want to be with each other. Yeah. Even if it's uh, around yeah, the end of the world together, right. yeah. So I, I kind of think I think that's way more poetic, and I like it. Um, yeah, I agree. I, so, I like that ending, and I like that like you can have the same issues. Like Andrew's having the same issues. He's failed as a protector. When died, he's dealing with that. Eric takes him in in that moment and still says, 
it's okay. Yeah, it's not your fault. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not your fault. Yeah, because so, it's Andrew so, that's struggling with Leonard over so the, the man gun, I so love. he feels like it's his yeah. fault. Yeah, and then like they they walk off together to survive alone, possibly. You know, if the end of the world is happening. Yeah. Or whatever. So so all that to say. To me, it's just like a completely different meaning behind the story. And so, mm-hmm. like, and I was confused watching the movie because I kept waiting for when to die. Because yeah, I was like, oh, I know this terrible thing that's going to happen. And I sort of kept waiting for it and it didn't happen. And then we kind of kind of got to a point in the story where it was past where that could have really happened. And then I was like, what the fuck? And so, so and, then, and then the ending, it was just like too tidy. And I just, I, you know. Well, the movie feels like I, it confirms the suspicions all along that like this is the right. end of the and, and it's we, like, like, sounds like, does the book do that? Do we actually no, get No, you never know. They just walk off together. They either walk off or drive thing. off together. You okay. have no idea whether the apocalypse was real or not. Because I kind of like the way ma- that plays out then. Because it doesn't matter. Because that's not what the story's about. Mm-hmm. And so that's like almost incidental. Like the story's about the redeeding power of love. And the so it doesn't like a catalyst. Yeah, exactly. Or the, the threat of the apocalypse. This yeah. invasion is the catalyst. Mm-hmm. We never know whether it's real or not. And it, and it doesn't matter. And it's so, created an environment where these two characters like have to deal with their issues. Um, right. So I would highly recommend the book, but that's not what we're reviewing here. So for the movie, it just it lost some meaning for me. I still think it was a well-crafted movie. I just think that the the turn of the ending um, was less interesting to me, less intimate and personal and thus less emotional to me and kind of just like a boring tie it up with a bow kind of ending. I, I There are some stories where I, I want like a happy little tidy ending and there are some stories where I want some darkness or some ambiguity like The Mist or The Thing. And mm-hmm. for me, this was one of those stories where that really worked having read the book. So um, I, I deduct points for, for the ending. So I'm going to come in at seven out of 10 boogie shoes. Hydraberg, what do I you like think? That unit of measurement, John. That's <laughs> good. That's good. Uh, yeah. So for me, uh, there's some really great acting. John, you touched on that. Batista, I think, keeps surprising me. I've seen him in several roles. This uh, Blade Runner, the three Guardian films, any uh, Marvel titles has been, and he's been some other stuff too. Uh, Hotel Artemis. Um He's a good actor. And uh, Kristen uh, Kua, is that who plays one? Is that how you pronounce her name? I'm probably I'm missing. not sure. Uh, it's it's C-U-I. Okay. Yeah. That sounds uh, about right. I think um, I actually thought she was really good. Um, I can understand your complaint, too, at the same time. She has played like a little larger than life, but that's sort it's of okay. like. It's okay. I understand that's a matter of taste. Theater. Like, I'm not, I, I didn't really. I, see, I just that. took her as a, like in this circumstance, like she's just a smarter kid than usual. So like. I, I guess maybe I just automatically gave her those those uh, you know issues of like oh she's able to figure this out sooner than most kids or like you know she's in the loop or and also uh, she's treated differently during the interaction too like she's not kidnapped like her dad and uh, her dad seem you know what I mean like I don't it's it's weird her situation in the story she's very free to do what she wants um I do I do enjoy I I enjoyed the characters for the most part too I thought on both sides for them um. I thought the film did a, de- a decent job of like humanizing both sides to the point where I was invested. Like I didn't just want to be like, oh yes, I hope Andrew you know, bashes in Leonard's head. Cause I'm like, no, Leonard seems like a decent dude too. Like I don't want to see him just die either, but you know, I get it. Like he's tying you up and he's like, he seems like a terrorist almost, or, you know, some kind of monster to you. 
in that in that sense if you're the in andrew or eric's eyes like yeah i get it in their seat uh i enjoyed i thought there was some decent tension that the film builds uh in certain scenes i wish i could have played on it a little bit more uh to be honest but i enjoyed it for the most part i enjoyed the ritual killings each horseman had to embrace like i thought that was interesting um the whole like put on the mask thing it was like sort of like very unpersonable like we're gonna put on a mask you know who i am but i'm putting on a mask so you can't see my features while i'm dying like it was it was weird it was interesting i thought that i kind of like that about the film it, it, it added something different to the those kill scenes i also thought that the film was uh beautifully shot i thought there was some really good framing and some really good cinematography i thought there was some great stuff especially like that opening shot of like when playing with the grasshoppers and catching grasshoppers in nature and then like the innocence of like childhood and nature. And then like, you know, Batista, who's a stranger who we're all told as kids and not talk to strangers that like, comes up and like, but he's charming. So like it unfolds in a certain way. Like I thought it was pretty good. I think Shyamalan did a good job. You're muted. Jack. And also, also the grasshoppers in the jar, I thought kind of mirrored the, yeah, they do the characters trapped in the cabin. There's only so much time we have in this jar until we have to get out. Right. Like, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so I, I liked, I thought Shyamalan did a good job as far as directing too. I thought like we criticize that guy a lot. I get it. Like he's sort of like, he could become like our next, like Rob Zombie. Like where he's, we, he's had some failures, but he's also Shyamalan. had some, he got it. Right, so he got it. Yeah. But, I said um, it before. Yeah, she did. Uh, oh, that's but right. no, it's like, I thought he did a pretty good job with this. It's an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, uh. One last thing, the relationship, the relationship between Andrew and Eric, I thought it was dynamic, like really, it really moved the plot along pretty well. Um, for the most part, uh, I liked it. Uh, but I would have liked more character development, to be honest, out of each side of the argument. Um, I don't know how much, like you guys said, like maybe you don't need that much, but just something, something's missing, in my opinion. I had an interest in these characters, like a real interest, but they didn't feel fleshed out enough for me, to my liking. Um, there's reasons why maybe the invaders don't feel that way. Maybe they're not supposed to like that would take away from their mystery, but maybe more of Andrew and Eric or something. There's just something missing to me where it feels very, uh, I don't know. Overall, I feel like the film is lacking substance. There's it's, it's got really good acting. It's got style. It's got an interesting premise, but I just don't feel like the narrative services, the characters enough where like there's, there's a sheen to it almost, you know what I mean? Like, Everybody's hitting their marks and like, I like the acting. I like the scenery, but there's something overall I feel like it's missing from this film that could like elevate it. And I don't quite know what it is either, um, but I feel like it. I could I could tell it's missing something. Um, I think the the new segments, they just don't really hit for me as well. And maybe that's intentional because we're supposed to see them the way that Andrew does. But like there's moments where the new stuff just sort of like washes over me where it's just like it bridges you into the next scene. And um, I don't know if that's intentional because we're supposed to not believe them as viewers also, but like they could have been done a little bit better because it's like they just turn on the TV and all of a sudden that shit's on. And it, it just kind of works in a, in a way where like it services the doubt in the in the film. But also I felt like the news stories could have serviced the believability as an audience member. I felt like they could have done a better job at, at engaging me and also giving me doubt as whereas it could, I could see Andrew. Mm-hmm. Or Eric seeing doubt, like more of the more of a push pull. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They kind of just give them to you, like, yeah, these aren't real, or like these these are real, but like you're meant to not believe them right away, and they they're very fast. Um, I don't know. There's just something to the way they're delivered. Maybe can I make a quick comment on that? Yeah, 
just a, a, an idea about that. I kind of felt like this sounds kind of bad, but it feels like the catastrophes that we see on the news clips aren't large scale enough. Yeah, it's like we we're don't... talking about wiping out all of humanity, but it's like, oh, the tsunami has killed a hundred thousand people. It's not happening to me right now directly. Well, no, it's so not even that. It's just that, like, the the impact that we see is like very small compared to the entire world population. Like, okay, there's gonna be four events here, right? But like, yeah. okay, there's a tsunami. Well, it only kills a hundred thousand people. There's like seven billion people on the planet. So, yeah. And then, like, oh, airplanes are dropping out of the sky. Okay, so there's been 700 airplanes that fall. Okay, what's 700 times 200 people on a flight? So, like, right. well, what, 140,000? Yeah. So, like, we need to I see things where, like, I, a I billion that... people are getting killed at a time. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I thought the planes dropping out of the air was like very effective. The tsunami, cool, not so but much. it should be larger scale. Like it should all be yeah. larger. The only scale. reason I feel like, like the tsunami is effective is because we went through that tsunami that happened in like what two thousand and five. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. that and it it resembled that a lot. Um, which but was then they, but then they needed to be reporting on like ten different different catastrophes all at once, yeah. not just one thing at a time. It's like that's what oh, I mean. Like there are elements of the news that if, definitely could have hit. If better. we're only killing a hundred thousand people at a time, this is going to take forever. So like, because the news the am news I wrong? Did they connected. show a plane dropping out of the sky as they yeah. were walking out of the forest? Yeah, no. After after um, the, uh, Leonard kills himself, you see a the, the sky darkens yeah. and you can see a you can see a plane crash in the distance. Yeah, yeah. I don't I know thought. if Andrew I, sees I, it, but like you see it from like above, like through their view of right. the while they're moving around doing their thing. I don't know if they ever look up and see it, acknowledge it, but it's happening. But you see it drop. I mean, I, yeah, I, because I, Batista killing himself is like the final, you know, straw. Yeah, like they haven't been saved yet. Yep. Yeah. Uh. Wait, so I didn't finish my review. I'm oh, sorry. It's fine. <laughs> We're just like interrupting each other like a ton tonight. Great. I love it anyway. Um, so like I said, just more character development would have been a little bit better. Overall, the film I felt was lacking substance in certain areas. Uh, we talked on that. Um, the new segments, yeah, they just didn't hit as much. And the ending just felt a little too safe for me, to be honest. So with that said, I am giving Knock at the Cabin from 2022 or 2023. I think it is. 2023? Yep. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. 6.5 um, out of 10. Okay. Boogie uh, shoes. Boogie, Boogie shoes. shoes. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I, so Hyderberg, it's interesting that you said that you were talking about Shyamalan and how his direction was, you know, he's had some misses, but that generally speaking, his direction was pretty strong. I think he's a good his, director. Yeah. I just think like, I think it helped that he was adapting material that was already written by somebody who was not him. Um, so he suffers but, the same issue that it Rob Zombie. Yeah. Okay. We all three got he, it now. This he needs weekend. a little bit more guidance. Yeah, he needs <laughs> some guidance. But um, but I just think maybe he wasn't the right. I think he does a great job for most of it. But I think maybe he wasn't the right director for the story because I do think that in general he's not known for like um getting real real dark. You know what I mean? It's like he he always seems to kind of yeah. want to bring it back to like a happy place but i think that's of. i think and if so you, that's why the, the change in the ending like and i feel like he shied away from something as dark as the child dying you know yeah so it's interesting because i do think like some of the stuff that he's good at works in this film like the humanity yeah uh, the antagonist agree. And the protagonist totally I think agree that, i think that's a yeah that's a strength <laughs> of his but like say that you had maybe you had someone like say scott derrickson direct this film yeah where, like, so that would be different died. And like, but it yeah. would be so much darker that like maybe we wouldn't resonate with the characters as much either. 
Maybe, but there's got to be somebody out there who can do both, you know, who can bring out the humanity, but also, like, not shy away from the darkness. And not to joke about Rob Zombie, but he would have, like, made the antagonist, like, the the darkest motherfuckers on the planet. But like, I, mean, I don't need would, that. That would have been too much. I don't much need better. that. Like, that's not how it was you in think? the book. And that's I think not it's better I that they're played sympathetically. Like, they are, they are, they themselves are innocent, or we, or they believe themselves sure. to be innocent. You yeah. know, like I don't but want them to be darker. They don't. If want... I'm not mistaken, he wrote or wrote the screenplay with the the author, right, mm-hmm. for this movie. I do have it. Um... Check that. Ding, ding, he adapted ding, it from the from the Paul Tremblay. Uh, him and um, Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman. They okay, adapted so it. yeah, the and author the of the book Tremblay was not involved in the screenplay. Got it. Okay, just so making he's sure. just he's given a he's given a writing credit just for having written the source material, but yeah. he was not involved Got in it. the and screenplay. Based in this movie, yeah. the, so I just feel like you know he's he's not the guy who's gonna like go that dark or leave things like super ambiguous he likes to answer all the questions at the end you know what i mean and so i just don't feel right. like maybe uh you know he's he's a little bit of a soft touch so i don't know if this was like the right thing for does anybody else also think that the title is weird yeah like you would never say oh there was a knock at the cabin you would say there was a knock at the door or knock at the yeah. cabin door you would never say oh i just heard a knock at the cabin why wouldn't it be the seven knocks? I don't know. But the book title was um, Cabin at the End of the World. Okay. Uh, that, and that's fine. But, I mean, you brought up the biblical. But maybe he uh, says knock at the cabin, too. Like, he knows that some of the people that are cued into the movie are going to be book the book people. So he knows they're going to get the cabin reference. Well, then and- I think he should have said knock at the cabin door. I think that should have been the title then. Or the seven knocks. I mean, what, after the fourth knock, it's the the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Yeah, I mean, maybe that too. But it just, I think the wording sounds Seven knocks is not going to get my butt in a seat at a theater. (laughs) (laughs) Or like, just knock at the door. I I don't know. There this summer, June, see that seven knocks film. (laughs) The seven knocks. (laughs) Um yeah, knock knock at the cabin just sounds vegan. like awkward to me. It doesn't sound quite right, but anyway, just my opinion. Um, you guys want a little tidbit of trivia? Sure. I just wish there was a knock knock joke at one point in the film. You know, would have made it a lot better. <clears throat> All right, I, there's there's not a ton of a bit better. there's not a ton of trivia about this, but I've I've got a couple little tidbits for you. So. Um, in a 2023 interview with Screen Rant, M. Night Shyamalan explained how he came to cast Dave Bautista. Sounds like we were all big fans of his performance. Yes. M. Night Shyamalan said, I thought this is an impossible role. A giant who can emote and do 30 pages of monologues. This doesn't exist. This person doesn't exist. And then I was like, wait a minute. What about that guy in Blade Runner 2049? I don't know much mm-hmm. about wrestling, so it wasn't like I had that in my head. And probably if I did, I might have been blinded to the fact that this person was an amazing actor. They said his name was Dave Bautista, and so I reached out, and then Dave reached out, and then we met. And when I spoke to him, I found a human being who was ready to start over again, take away all the success he had, and unlearn it, and then start over. He just wanted to be proud of himself, and I was like, I'm down, brother. Let's do it the right way from beginning to end. And he's like, I don't know if I can do this. And I go, but I do. So I think that's nice that it shows that M. Night Shyamalan had faith in Dave Bautista from the start. That is like, oh, this is the guy who's going to be able to manage the complexity of this role 
and I mean, he I does. agree he's that he a, totally did it. Yeah, he got a large role to play in this movie. Um, he, he killed he, it. Yeah, he along. I think he's. Great. I think he's the. I think he might be the best part of this movie. I do too. <laughs> I agree. I think he's super sympathetic, but at the same time, he's charismatic. He's threatening <clears> when he needs to be, and he's all these things. But it's a mystery of like exactly. But is what he ever he's threatening? I mean, he. But looks he, he's imposing. He angry he's at he's some imposing. Point. It's more yeah. maybe what it, I think. He does, it, and he apologizes. He goes, yes, "I'm sorry." Yes, my he's, voice. he's capable. Exactly. To I love you. that. I love yeah. that. So, like he's capable of hurting <clears> if he wants to, but like the fact that he's not doing it is sort of throwing you off too, because you're sort yep. of like, well, aren't yeah, you yeah. like a fucking sociopath? But it's like, well, <laughs> maybe he's not. But yeah, he's. Um, at the premiere at some cinema at some cinemas at the entrance the spectators were asked to give up something they cared for the they cared for the entire duration of the film in exchange for a gift at the end if you chose yes then your smartphone was bagged and sealed and by handing over the still sealed envelope at the exit you received a nice prize the initiative read make your choice you would give up one of the things you care about most for the duration of the film prove it your sacrifice could be rewarded that's cool kind of a fun gimmick that's cool. I'll a lot of that. people would have been like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. that. And then they're like, well, give us your cell phone. And then a lot, like, how many people would no. have been like, so I, I like recently had to do that for a movie preview. And like, yes, that, you did. Yeah. Like, and you didn't uh, get a gift at the end. <laughs> no, it's tough what to movie? Like, do that. I can't tell you. <laughs> nice try. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I do I, think, I, so I, I, I love, I happen to love Blade Runner 2049. I recommend it to anybody. Joey loved it too. He keeps trying to yeah, get it's to watch it. One of my favorite films in the past decade. Wow. Um, that's a bold statement. Okay. It, it has no right to be as good as it is. Okay. The Blade Runner sequel that I thought was going to be trash, but it's so good. It's a, a, a Villeneuve film. Uh, Dennis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Villeneuve. I recommend it. And if you can, re- if you can watch it with like surround sound on or something like got amazing sound. Um, cool. But yeah, it's going on Batista's my list. In it, now. in such a small, Batista's in a small role, but fuck if he doesn't act his ass off in that role. Where I can see that, like, why you say they cued in on that role to mm-hmm. ask him for this movie. I could see that. I could see the lineage of how it broke down to that. And Jacqueline, you do not watch Marvel films, but like as Drax the oh, Destroyer, he's, he's so funny. He's so. Good. I mean, he's entertaining as shit. I mean, really, I believe is. you. He I plays like you. a dumb like hero in the yeah, like, but still, he, he, he's is he not like one of the spotlights of those movies? Oh yeah, he totally is, and he's very powerful, but he's also like very dumb and like yeah. Um, they they play him dumber than he's written in the um sure. in the books, but you know he's like a muscle head in the book, so I feel like yeah. there's less to, to work with there. So I feel like dumbing <laughs> him down kind of gives him more character. Sure, uh, yeah, but he's a cool character. He's really good mm-hmm. in all the movies. All right, guys. Well, that just about wraps it up for Knock at the Cabin from 2023, the new joint from M. Night Shyamalan. Um, I, I, this this redeems M. Night Shyamalan a little bit for me. It I does. didn't see Old, the most recent film of his, but I heard you know from the Straight Chilling review how absolutely atrocious it was. I'm glad that there were uh, no mid-sized sedans in this movie. Gla- <laughs> <laughs> Glass, you know, he's had several misses lately. And so I uh I Glass do feel like okay. this redeems him a little bit. I I, I know <clears throat> not everybody loved this movie, but uh and I won't say I loved it, but I I it, to me it was it I guess was a solid confident movie. film. Like I agree. It's, uh, it's solid. You know? So uh, to me, this is a little bit of a redemption. But um, yeah, so that was it. John, I'm glad that you picked this. uh, I'm so glad I picked it. Jacqueline, next week, um, I'm a little confused to watch in here. 
You should be. Please explain. <laughs> All right. So next week, we're going to be doing something a little different. Actually, a lot different. Okay. We're not reviewing a single film per se. We're going to be mm -hmm. reviewing a series of YouTube videos called Gemini Home Entertainment. I will post a link uh, to the, the YouTube channel on Twitter. Hopefully, you guys will post on um, Facebook and Instagram as well so that listeners can find this more easily. I but will post it in the show notes tonight. Post great that. idea. So it's it's just a series of short web videos, but they go together. They they they're part of a very small subgenre known as analog horror. And we'll talk more about that next week. We will have a special guest on the show to join us. It is Who? Who? our good friend Randy Gandy G Landy from the Straight Chilling Podcast. Randy. 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 So he's going to be joining us, and I'm really looking forward to this because he knows a lot about this particular subgenre. Um, so Gemini, we need to really class up the joint. <laughs> yes, we got to class yeah. this place up a little bit. I'm still so, confused. John, so again, so again, go to YouTube. Again, I'll post a link. But if you're trying to search for this on your own. Go to YouTube, search for Gemini Home Entertainment, find the channel for this, and then hit videos and watch the videos in order. They, I don't know exactly how many there are. I think it's around 10, but they do add up to just around two hours or so, I think. Um, maybe it's more than 10 videos. I, I think it's actually more. I think it might be closer to 15 or 20, but they do add up to a total of about two hours. So they add up to about the length of a feature film. Um, but once you've watched them all, I think this will make more sense, but this is a different format from what we usually do. It's not a normal, like, single narrative film from start to finish. It's just this series of web videos, but we'll be posting links to that, and uh, hopefully everybody enjoys something a little bit different, and then next week we'll have Randy on with us to help navigate these waters. John, I feel like there's an epic rant coming on next week. I don't know. An epic rant? Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, I feel it coming on okay. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, op you, I'm open. I'm open minded. Well, if Me you too. watch this early and you feel the need to rant, please email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. And become our friend at a cut above colon horror review and give us those five-star ratings on iTunes and uh, Spotify, and you can give us a review on uh, iTunes, I believe, right? Yes, oh, please yeah. do. We like we like your feedback. We love you. Yeah. Five stars. All right, guys. Well, I'll see you back here next week with the addition of our friend Randy from Straight Chilling, and we'll be talking about Gemini Home Entertainment on YouTube. So I'll see you guys then. And keep it creepy.